Hello, hello, and welcome once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitelli, and joining me today, I've got most of the usual crew. Uh, let's see who we have. We have George Foster. What's up, guys? Josh Torres. You look pretty cool. <laughs> James Galizio. I can't believe that Nier is the critically acclaimed franchise. And joining once again is Chow Min Wu. Hello, hello. You might have heard that I did not list Adam's name. Uh, he was up too late playing a saga game. So I think he is sleeping in, which on, that's on brand. Yeah, that's allowable. We'll accept that. Hardcore uh, saga fans are built different, dude. They, they don't care about sleep schedules. Wow, I didn't care about sleep when I was playing near. <laughs> that's another game we'll probably be talking a whole bunch about uh, this week. I only was up late last night scrolling through my phone, doom scrolling as you do, you know, trying to put yourself to sleep through depression. I don't know. But then I saw it. I saw a tweet from Wario 64, PlayStation 5's in stock at Amazon. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. And then, and then uh-huh. it didn't it didn't go into the cart. And I'm like, oh damn it. Was I too late? How in the world? And then they said, just keep trying, keep trying, spam it, spam keep that trying. add to cart button. And I'm like, oh man, uh-huh. I'll keep trying. And then all of a sudden I saw it. <laughs> I saw the order go through. I saw the email telling me that it was on its way. Or no, actually, not that it was on its way, but that the order was confirmed. And I'm like, oh wow, did that really happen? And then I went to bed yep. with a smile on my face. Amazing. You did it. You, you, you got the coveted machine from the gods, the PlayStation. I, I swear to God, I have yeah. these dreams before, but with gotcha games. Like I swear <laughs> to God, I got those characters. But I woke up and they're not there. It's kind of oh, weird no. because like I don't have a ton of games that I'm really interested on the PlayStation 5 right now. Like if you ask me to like list down, like, is it a good investment for me right now? It probably isn't. But I I, I don't know. I have a really dumb brain and don't want to miss out and that wow, was my chance can... all right okay so when you get that playstation 5 theoretically speaking uh so like what are you like what's the first like thing you're gonna do with it besides setting it all up like what's the first game you're gonna play on it uh, clearly he's ready for the uh the uh next yes, title from the housemark developers uh returnal that actually looks good though looks good uh, yeah but you I gotta start with astrobot astrobot is like another level I could I, I could see say, myself would... into uh, Returnal. Uh, it would be out of left field for me, but it looks really neat. This is probably pretty lame and pretty safe, but I would probably just like, all right, when's that Yuffie DLC PlayStation 5 version of Final Fantasy VII coming out? <laughs> okay, so here's a, yeah, so you're just going to get it, set it up, and then let it sit there for like two months and be like, all right, the very first thing I'll play on this is Yuffie, and that's it. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say, could you just treat it as like a better PC? I just bought a PS4 with better specs. It does have a faster SSC than my PC, and I probably will like play it through a capture card setup, or ma- at least allow it to play through on my monitor. But anyways, no one's not interested to hear about my PlayStation 5 escapades. We're here to talk I about have. RPGs. <laughs> oh, okay. George's. <laughs> All right. So, uh, obviously, just a day or two ago, a big near remaster released, and I think pretty much all of us here have played it to some extent. Obviously, I guess I'll get it out of the way at the start. Josh Torres was the one, gracefully, who put up the review for us. So that went up on Friday, late Thursday. I don't remember, but I think it, was it, like Thursday. Ex- it was early Thursday morning, I think. Because I yeah, because I had to get up at like four in the like four thirty in the morning my time to like finalize it and then put it up at like a five a.m. embargo. So that was fun. 
And but, uh, yeah. even, even leading up to release, like I think a lot of us here, or at least I do, maybe I won't speak for anyone else, but I, I think of Josh as like the near encyclopedia. If I have a question about how does this tie into Dragon Guard? What are the stage plays I have to watch? What book should I be reading? <laughs> I, I asked Josh. <laughs> so he is the man for the job here. Uh, so it's an excellent read. And then on top of that, uh, our our boss, Alex Donaldson, just went ham writing out a bunch of guides. And obviously Josh helped on that front to see how they would tie into the game. So we got a whole bunch of guide features up on the site as well. And now we're going to yeah. make it the, probably the primary focus of our podcast discussion because we're all we've all got our at least our toes and in, dipped into it right now. Yep. When was the last time that every single person on the podcast had played the same game? I think never. I genuinely like last time. I think there's a yeah, big, I don't know. Big, um, I usually miss out on it. Like maybe East East wheel. No, because I didn't play yeah. it. But uh, but yeah. the the last time it could have happened would have been like Final Fantasy VII remake. But it didn't because like James didn't play it. I don't think. Uh, no, it didn't. I, I think I think for all of my, I, I think Zach was the only person that didn't play it during that time. I think yeah, but that, that's did. the olden days of the podcast. That was before the revival for the new. Oh, wow. that, was before, <laughs> that was even before my time. But I'm just saying that was a time where someone did. I always it. forget that Chow has been here for a while. Like, fine, because I don't output enough materials. So everyone's kind of forgot oh, about me. Like boomer status here. <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that you know it's not only just me and Alex that worked on your stuff. Uh, Chow, not Chow, George for PlayStation Lifestyle also um, put up his review for this n- new Nier release, and like this, that's coming from the standpoint of like a person brand new to Nier overall, that never played it back in the day, and whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is godly. Everyone yeah. was right. I don't know why I avoided it so long. But yeah, I'm I'm near obsessed now too. Like I've changed my little avatar uh, to Emil's head. So <laughs> yeah, the sort of avatar, the, yeah, the Emil head, the Yoko Taro head that uh, he adapted. But yeah, I guess you know since we have the segue into it, like I want to kick off, you know, this near re-release for someone who is going into it brand new. Like, what what, what were your expectations going in? What what was going through your head as you were playing it? Like. Like, like I, I can only imagine, like, of course, this is kind of putting words in your mouth. I, I'm not going to, but like uh, my, my, what I think it like it was going through your head and like probably a lot of people's heads going through it right now who's never played it is like, I don't get it. Like the first few hours in and your answer is like, I don't get it. Well, I think going in, there's like a, there's a lot of expectation, you know, there's, there's this sort of, it's like an understood understanding that like this game means a lot to a lot of people um so even in the moments where i was like less hyped about it when i was less like okay this is you know kind of slow or okay this is my seventh playthrough so i'm you know less happy about it i understood that you got to keep going with it um but i I was pleasantly surprised from the start like i i I don't think during my first playthrough there wasn't like a single moment where i didn't want to play at all like I was really, really, really enjoying it. Um, and how how deep are we going, spoiler wise? I, I mean, uh, obviously, um, I would say don't spoil obviously any of the endings. Um, don't go into too much detail about the new content because I'll, I'll like I'll say I'll draw the light. Hey, there is new content in this game. If you want to go check it out, go check it out. We won't spoil anything, but you know they've already they've already said it like in the official stuff. Like you know there there's new stuff both as you're going through the main narrative now and some other stuff around the edges. But you don't really have to go too much into detail about the plot because the plot's fairly simple, um, surface level, right? Like, 
the 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 you know everyone knows at the very start of the game you know it kind of does a weird thing where you have the, this tutorial section that briefly introduces things there's a weird shift in what happens and then it's about the story of an older brother attending to his young sickly younger sister and you know that's the that's the big i guess the big change for a lot of western fans uh going into this uh, who played near back in the day is the only version that came over to the west was near gestalt but when near officially released it came out with near gestalt and near replicant in japan and near gestalt was the only one who could get localized and that was the version that had the older dad version of near well, meanwhile uh replicant which is the one that we have now is the older brother version of near and that's really the only significant difference outside of you know character interactions and whatnot all the content of the game of those original releases remain the same and consistent throughout so i'd say that's probably you know like i said like there's gonna be a lot of newcomers going to new york like yourself george so i don't want to spoil too much yeah that. No, cool. I, I, I think so awesome. that the conceit that the yoko tarot games like to play around with what an ending is and replaying sections like that general idea i think is kind of like it's not just a linear a to b narrative so right. i think just saying um, that vaguely is okay yeah well yeah yeah so to to go on from that point i stress it in my review um that to anyone who doesn't know although i imagine like most people do like you said brian uh you do need to play it more than once um i think the limit to which how many times it needs to be played i would argue uh i feel like they could have maybe combined the third slash fourth playthrough into the second in my opinion um but like the second playthrough like changes so much like it, it i hate to say it because it sounds cliche but i was just like oh my god like this whole time what like it, it was one of those moments and i was expecting it and i'd sort of heard rumblings of it but it was still so effective um and i think that was the moment where it changed from this game is really good and like i see why people like it to like holy crap this game is really good and i really care about it uh and i'm not ashamed to admit that i cried quite a few times like th this m might not come as a surprise to you guys because i cry like everything but it really i'm a, I'm really a lot of works too me. I feel like. Yeah, like it was. <laughs> yep. It was like I, I won't. We won't talk about new content. Um, but it really got me there. Like I, I don't know why it felt like I'd been with these characters like a really long time. Like I was having the sort of reactions I'd have if it, if it was like a sequel or something. Like it, if I knew who these people were, and I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to you know go back to Kaine and Emil. Like that's how I felt just from playing it. And I think that's the strength of having you replay something over and over. And I think maybe that makes it worth it. Because these characters, like, I, I know every section of the game. Like, I could, well, I, I couldn't speedrun it, but like, you can go really fast once you learn what you're doing. Um, but it's just like, it makes such a dent because of it. Like, it really, really sticks with you, these characters. Um, and I'd say that's the game's biggest strength. Uh, there's like, there's so many strengths, but the biggest for me is its characters for sure yeah you, you make a good point because you know you you, you have uh, we're gonna refer to the main character as near in this you know because you can yeah technically, <laughs> you, you can you can technically name whatever character you want but it, like you know everyone refers to him as near and i think the the really cool thing about like you know near's village as like a hub and like the amount of times you kind of like play it go and navigate through every section of the game is like if me and George like fully completed and now like went to go play that game again, like you, you normally all your map is all blank until you like either are given or buy the map map at a shop. But at this point, for 
me and George, I'd, uh, I'd say like we can just go through that game and without we don't we don't need any maps at all. We know exactly where everything is. Yes, exactly. We've gone through these places so much and we're so familiar with them and like speaking to the people there, doing side, maybe side content there or just normally navigating. It's like it, it's just at the back of your head. It's that's such a that's such a cool thing to have uh, in a game where you feel like you've um, you've achieved a level of mastery with the environment, with the level of design that like. You don't really. You can not not saying that you can play the game blindfolded, but like you just generally know where everything is, so you never have to worry about like looking at a map again or something. That's you're so me with like Automa, like Niramla, like mm-hmm. the place is yeah. small enough that you can memorize where everything is. You know, the le- left side is to like this abandoned factory or something like that, right? It's like you just know everything where all the spot is, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's why I like near so much on top of like a shitload of like other things, but like. When I when I boot into it and like after a few hours in, like oh, I feel comfy here. I feel like I'm at home here. This is a place familiar to me, and like some some place I can always go back to and feel a sense of comfort in like a largely depressing game, you know. Yeah, and I, that's, I, I, that's what I was just gonna say as well. Like it, mm-hmm. it's surprising like how comfy it is to just go and like speed through, but it also so it's a really like depressing game at times, um, which is still it's still fun to like speed through and it's still quite comfy um but i like the term light in the dark uh mm-hmm. so i use it before for like stuff like the last of us where i say like oh you know like there's so many dark moments but there's always light and i think that's true of near as well but it really did shock me <laughs> at times like how many times i was just looking at the screen like oh okay <laughs> that's what happens to them and stuff like that like there's so many moments where i was like ah, oh, this goes like really really hard um so it's not it's not for the faint of heart. I think like it's not brutal or graphic or anything. It is just quite depressing. <laughs> well, I um I think I actually have a pretty unique perspective compared to the five of us because I am I the only one here that I played Automata but not the original. So I'm kind of going backwards. Because George, Brian, had... I am in the same boat. Oh, I thought you would play the original. <laughs> I, I played the original, but I didn't beat it. So I watched uh, an analysis video spoiling everything about it. So uh, I I regret uh... it so much. <laughs> So I'm not, sorry, I just I, I can't I can't. <laughs> you're you're not this here that actually played the original Nier, just like no. <laughs> but uh, so I find that I have a mindset playing this game that I'm trying to break from. Where like I'm trying to be like. So obviously, having played Automata, I know like not to always take things at face value. What is the deeper meaning behind this? So I'm sitting there going to Nier, like, what does this really mean? What is it like? It's giving me tons of medicinal herbs. What is the meaning behind that? Or, or something. I'm like, okay, Brian, not everything is just going to be like, not everything is supposed to be like wool over your eyes. Like some things are just hopefully face value. So I'm wow. trying to like, I'm trying to just like, just like relax. Don't tense up so much. And just like, just let it come. And if it's supposed to be a revelation at some point, it will reveal itself. Don't overthink it. Um, so with that mindset, trying to like, be more normal about it and not just be a weirdo playing through this uh <laughs> i guess that my two um main takeaways as someone who's about like six hours into the part one where i'm still playing as the young protagonist so i, I know like some of the marketing gen- generalities like there is a time script at some point uh well it might be multiple but there's one major time skip involving the protagonist like i'm playing as young protagonist right now young near uh young brother near and the, my, the first thing I noticed is that there is a lot of focus on 
texts and books and storytelling like the the plague is called the scrawl you pick up items called words there's a big focus on a library uh things like that so and then obviously yona loves to read books so those are the things that like okay i see the theming here um and then there's obviously like storytelling like devilo and popola talk about this this you know folk tale basically uh, and then obviously i just picked up grimoire vice who is a, a floating book so basically it's all right you're you're hammering this theme home i get it it's about stories and books so like how will that actually play out i don't know yet i will find out soon i suppose i, I was just gonna say like i, I didn't purposely spoil near on purpose i just wanted to know best before coming playing automata and i <laughs> well i think it's best to leave it unknown <laughs> You willingly spoiled Nier for yourself. You clicked on the videos at Nier analysis. <laughs> come on. I, I figured, you know, it's better to like come in with some knowledge of its predecessor before playing the sequel, right? Oh, so I was uh, like, but no, uh, don't do not do it. Just just play it blind. Yeah, it's a... Uh, so I guess, uh, like, talking about new content, like, what can people expect, like, you know, who played Nier before, right? And, like, uh, as a big fan of, like, the, the game, the series, and whatnot, like, Going in, like I even mentioned in my reviews, like I think when they first announced this new re-release of Nier, I was like, you know, I I like Automata a lot. I I really really like it, but I would not want them to like make this into a combo juggle heavy game like the like Platinum Games did with Automata. Like it was really cool there, but you know, it was very floaty. Weapon impacts, you know, were kind of felt underwhelming. Like it like it played like most like other Platinum games. That, like they had their audience, and I I was I had fun with it. But you know, Nier's, the original Nier's gameplay is far from perfect. But I wouldn't want to like change that up drastically from how how it felt because you know, at the end of the day, it's not its merits. It was it was basic, but you know, I do like that weapons had had a punch to them and whatnot. And when you got hit, like you really knew you got hit uh, in the in the original game. So when I went into this, I was like, okay, well, we'll see what they did to the combat because a lot of the marketing around it and me the footage they've shown saying you know this is like faster paced gameplay whatnot and the, the while the, the uh development team isn't platinum games it's toy logic um they got uh takisa taura from platinum games to you know supervise over this project probably over the combat and whatnot you know just to make sure it feels responsive and feels good to play and i'm really happy that they found like a really 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 nice middle ground between it's not exactly automata but it's not original near like there's a there there's like a compromise a nice compromise between both of them where like it still feels weighty like when you're swimming a uh, swinging a weapon around like you the, things like have a good impact to them and when you're uh dodge rolling around or defending like there's a nice snappiness to them it, it's fast paced but it's not overwhelmingly like oh launch a enemy into the air and combo them for like 10 years and then come back down and then continue to combo them and then there's no like a witch time mechanic like in bayonetta there's no like mm-hmm. oh uh you'll slow down time if you dodge perfectly there they, they they did add a few like little systems to like spice it up like uh, when like you a parry system yeah yeah like when you block a uh, incoming attack at the right time you'll deflect it then you press square or triangle there's a like a big counter attack after it which is that's so okay good. yeah it feels, it feels so good, good. Yeah, it feels I, good. So I'm going to say this. So I know that the original game, like the original Replicant, had the exact same combat as Gasalt. So this is going to sound weird. 
but it feels appropriate that the combat is sped up here and has like it's a little faster paced because it feels logical that Brother Near would be a bit more agile than Papa Near. Yeah. So yeah. It feels thematically appropriate. I know that it it that isn't the reason, and I know that in the original game they were exactly the same, but it still feels right. So one of the things I think I noted in my review is that I can't really imagine like the themes and the story working as well with like an older near. Like I, I don't, I have, I can't compare, but I just feel like it would work. It just works so much better with a younger into a slightly older rather than like a older into a, you know, like even older character, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always felt that way too, because I, I'm one of the few people in the West that is stupid enough or, cool enough to have played both versions of the original like i i went to gestalt and then i was like man that's cool and looking more into it, it's like oh they had like another near release in japan like and i imported that and i played through that so like i have knowledge of both of the original versions like under my belt and i when after i was done with the original replicant like i was thinking the same thing that you are right now like i think this game's overall themes work better with a brother near i can understand why people really like and really get attached to dad near because that's like a novel so like at the time a relatively novel like protagonist and premise at the time where you're just like a really old grumpy dad trying to do anything you can for your daughter that's very very effective and heartfelt especially in the pre-time skip version because a lot of the pre-time skip is you know tending to your child or tending to yona um and that's the, it feels very heartfelt and uh, very emotional and you know that that sort of parental love but it like with gestalt personally for me it kind of falls a bit apart after the time skip in gestalt because th- things change in that game like in a way that it it's it's hard for uh, a dad version to adapt uh surrounding the premise and whatnot and that's what i i always thought about it too like by the end of gestalt like in all of its endings i'm just like like i was kind of confused a little in the sense of like "Eh, this kind of this this really worked way better earlier on than where it is right now Mm. essentially uh Uh, when i was playing i I had two op i had two thoughts that were on the same vein where I've realized that younger young protagonist is very chatty, especially once you get grimoire advice. And having not played near Gestalt, I'm, I actually like asked uh, Josh, like, was the older near really this chatty? And he, I guess the answer was he he was, yeah, but it's even more pronounced sure. here it's because you have the additional voice acting. Uh, and then like especially, so I, I'm in like side quest hell right now which apparently is like a rite of passage <laughs> for this game uh, uh but but i was actually kind of enjoying it i was just doing the fishing which was i don't know I, I i've played worse fishing mini games i suppose i'll put it that way uh and like there's a lot of like banter between near and grimoire vice about fishing and it was actually like a lot more light-hearted and funny then i was like george just recently said that the game is kind of sad and depressing at times but here at, the, at least at this point like Ramar Vice was like shouting and scaring the fish and like Nier was telling him to <laughs> shut up and be quiet. And I, I was trying to imagine that taking place like, okay, what if what if Nier was 50 years old instead of 15 or whatever and shouting at this book? <laughs> like would it have like a different tone? <laughs> so that's like, what really I mean, could, yeah. Really yeah. come across I, like a grumpy dad instead of like so, this more friendly thing. 
So I'm going to be the odd man out, and I say I still think I prefer Papineer. Uh, the main reason for that being a spoiler, but I guess I'll put it this way, that there is a... It's not really something that's communicated in the game itself, but there is near lore that explains that... Hmm... That's the best way to put it. <laughs> well, I, mean, I already know what he's talking about. This is a like, giant. Yeah, box. Box. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. The you, red you know and black. You know, what? you know what? I, I'll post it in the staff chat so we're not spoiling people. That because I'm. It's not really a huge spoiler. It's just something that people probably wouldn't want to know. So one second. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is this is meta right here it's like oh we're gonna have uh, <laughs> backseat conversations in the middle of the podcast <laughs> so basically that spoiler so i feel like it's appropriate <laughs> you should have spoiled type that for brian oh <laughs> uh, uh, well, whatever i don't know what it means <laughs> yeah I, I, don't, I don't know if i yeah okay. well when i consider that it feels like it makes sense that even if it seems weird that Papineer is acting like a, a dopey, like, uh, what's the best way to put it? He's just, he acts like a kid. Hmm. It just, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem as weird to me um, knowing that. So it's like, it feels appropriate in the context of the world. That makes sense. I mean, there's no right answer, right? Like everyone will have their preferences. Both both protagonists have their inherent strengths and weaknesses. You know, there's there's not like it's not like as much of a debate. Like, oh, this is better. This is better. it's like you know, everyone has their personal preference. Both of them are still very good protagonists for like the context of what oh, the game is trying to convey. It feels like it kind of started as a a joke or a meme. If did we call them memes back then? I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, where it's like, oh, we get the old grizzled ugly guy. Like we get the goblin near, and everyone else gets the young, like pretty near. Then it became like genuine at some point, where it's like, man, I really gel with Papa near. I want him back. Like it became, it, it became like this kind of irreverent, like ha ha, I'm being silly. And then like it seemed. This is for me from an outside perspective, being aware of the game, just never having played it. And then obviously leading up to Replicant, where it's like, oh man, it's a uh, it's younger near, but I miss Papa near. And then yeah, obviously, that, that's, he, I thought it was a joke as well. Well, not like a joke, like like you're saying. It's like talking about something enough that then it's part of the game's identity and, and, almost. Yeah, then it became genuine at some point. Oh yeah, and so on some level, level like they like Square Enix marketing was right because the whole reason that near Gestalt was even a thing was like you know in mid development, it's like oh we need something that appeals to the West and ba back then like you know the context of back then like the Western tastes were very much like we want. A more older, more mature protagonist, just like Western, uh, like video game outlook at that time. Um, when you th when you think about the the types of games that were being released uh, at um, that time, so Old Snake, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Metal uh, yeah, Metal Gear. You had you know Kratos from God of War was big. You had you know Bayonetta just coming out as well. So that was like the big action game that you know obviously Nier couldn't compare to, like in terms of like action battle mechanics. You had Dark Siders, which is generally very well received. Still a very good game, you know. But th but those aren't like when you think about the protagonists of like big games in the West at that time. They were generally older, more mature, more gruff, more macho in a sense. And, and uh, on the other coin, we we had protagonists in JRPGs like Capel from Infinite Discovery and Edge from mm -hmm. Darshan Four and Rush from uh, Last Remnant, and they're all like young dorky teenagers that i, I feel like <laughs> when it comes to jrpgs the protagonist is always some 15 year old in high school well the thing is yeah. they, they can that doesn't mean they're they're 
by default bad. But those three I listed off, I would say none of those three are great. <laughs> They're you not know, secretly good. They're just bad. You know, as a counterpoint there, uh, around the time the original Nier came out was also around the time that uh, Xenoblade came out. Yeah, that's true. And I'd say that most people would agree that, yeah, Schultz is a young dude, but I mean, he's a good protagonist. He's one of my favorites. He's probably like top three protagonists all time. He's very mature. It's actually really funny because I remember when I first played Nier and I first played Xenoblade, they were pretty close together. And it's like for as different as both of the games are, and they really couldn't be more different. One thing that always stood out to me was just how much the party composition and the banter felt maybe not similar, but the way that I felt about the banter between both those games, party mem- uh, party members felt similar. Like when I look back on Nier and I remember it, it's not so much I remember the gameplay itself, but I remember the feeling of camaraderie between all of the like members of your party, between Weiss, Nier, Emil, and Kaine, and just it's such a weird party for a JRPG, but it's honestly my favorite just well, because of how memorable everyone is. Well, I think when you think about JRPG, the, like the party is always strange. If you compare it to something like Final Fantasy VII, we got an ex soldier, a bartender, some ex terrorists, um, you know, like a doll, you know. I'm just saying it's it's all weird in in a general sense it's never like you know well that's fair that's fair it's weird because like i can't really comment on Nier's party too much because i haven't gotten everyone yet but in like older games like final fantasy 7 and beyond a lot of times they're just like kind of a basic archetype and then they might not speak much they might not have a lot of story relevance relevance in that game for instance two of the party members you you could rattle them off and say like aha they're so weird you got like this vampire-esque dude and this and this thief that's like royalty in her kingdom but they don't have much of it to play in the story because they're like literally optional <laughs> like they don't interact much they they kind of are a character bio and a few lines of dialogue and that's sort of it where in xenoblade you've got i i will forever defend like the goofy Xenoblade shouting battle uh, lines <laughs> they, where they just won't shut up because it, it kind of like endears themselves to, at least to me where like, all right, these guys are really in it for the long haul. They're really doing this together. They're on equal footing in battle. They each have their own play style. They're just sitting there shouting out what they're doing. Like that's just part of the charm. Uh, and the, where I'm at right now, I, I think it's really cool. I, I can be doing this g- generic ass quest to get goat hides or whatever and grimoire vice will will chime in and like mention like i can't believe we're delivering this fragile thing from a to b or or going fishing again like i I I love that he uh has something to say on all of them rather than just allowing it just to be a task in your journal which i suppose makes sense because he is your journal so uh I, I, can see where, I can see where James is coming from in terms of mm-hmm. seeing that tether there between these two very different games. Yeah, it's also like feels impactful in like the context of this game too, because like you you feel you feel compelled enough that you want to like finish their conversations and whatever they're doing. There's so many contextual things that you do that they have unique voice lines for. It's like it makes you genuinely curious. Like I wonder what they're going to talk about in response to what I'm doing right now. Because they always have like some because the, the voice acting in this game, both both Japanese English, but especially in a lot of people's minds, the English voice acting, like Leo O'Brien's like voice as uh, Grimoire Weiss is so <laughs> <That was> good. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Like 
uh-uh. it's so memorable. It's, it sticks out. It's like, oh, that's there's a uh, a unique tinge to it that like, you don't really hear much else. I have a question. Um, in the Japanese version, uh, didn't they recast the the grimoire of one of them to have the same voice as the pod in Nier Automata? I don't think so. I, like, I, there, might, there might be like a voice like language pack, like like the Automata for them. But for what I remember, most of like big voice actors from Replicant back then is still in this re-release. From what I remember, I mean, I could be wrong. But I, I mean, it's it's real. It's really it's really crazy to me still that like this uh, re-release of a 2010 game. that's all like it has like mega polished up now. It looks it, it looks well decently gorgeous. Like if you if you compare it to back then, I'm not gonna say it's like top of the line graphics to everything that's out now. But like if you're comparing it to the release back then, it's like wow, this is like a big upgrade just from at a glance. And also it has. That, like they went out of their way using their big Square Enix budget now, since Nier is like a big series now for Square Enix, um, to voice every single line of dialogue, even like the villagers that you meet, all the people at Seafront, every single like there's only like maybe two or three like uh instances where they do not voice uh someone because it's intentional, whether it's like a text adventure segment or a character that primarily uh, communicates with you via sign language, like. Other than that, like everyone is like fully voiced. I'm just like, that's crazy, and they all sound pretty good. That's I love crazy. that one scene, like when you when the main character's angry, he's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's like, it's like can't even do a side quest because he's angry. It's hilarious, man. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. It's it's so o- overwhelming to think about that. I can only imagine like the meetings they had for this game. It's like, all right, we got a whole bunch of money. What are we going to do to change this game? And someone, whether it was Taro himself or uh, other people uh, in that meeting, it's like, let's just change nothing really <laughs> in terms of like overall content. It, this is still like almost beat for beat, like the original Nier. Just it pl- plays better, has some new st- stuff sprinkled in that don't really take away from anything in the plot. It's, uh, it's. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, the more I think of it, I'm like, that's. I don't know. I don't know who green lighted this, but I'm all. I'm here for it. It's uh, people like to say with remasters that they make the game look like you remembered them. That's not the case here because I remember even when I played <laughs> the original Near that I was like, man, this is kind of ugly. But it's fascinating how they managed to definitely upgrade the visuals, but despite it obviously looking a lot better, having much more fidelity, it maintains the same feeling of the original. You look at it and it's like, yes, this is near. There's a lot more detail. The lighting shadowing system seems to be like totally overhauled. There's like way more foliage, like grass and all that, but it doesn't feel like a massive overhaul, even though when you look at it like side by side, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think I think the only thing that like uh, that's really missing for me personally uh, in this re-release is they don't allow you to like change the uh, the soundtrack to the, the original versions of the of how it was back then. Like the whole entire original soundtrack has been remastered and rearranged for this release. So like uh, most of them now are like very orchestral, have live instruments. Yeah. They like feel more grandiose. And like it's it doesn't go it doesn't really take it actually like enhances the the game like in several spots because it's, it's a dynamic 
uh, soundtrack now where like things will have like vocals when you enter this place or like it'll change its shift up and down when you enter here and like it feels more impactful at some spots but i've listened to the original uh, ost for like for years now i just wish that was added as an option so if you wanted to switch to it you Agreed. can but, i was uh, wondering i, I also remember? i also miss some of the original voice lines for um the characters that aren't near like oh. I, I mean, I've even watched the attract version of the uh, opening that's basically uh, the same cut as, well, a similar cut to the original opening that we got in the West. Mm-hmm. You know, with the opening where, like, kind of is like, why is he a dumbass? I, well, it's still good, but that it's line, different. it's just not the same. Like, especially when she goes into, oh, Shadow Lord, and that thing. Like, mm-hmm. the way it's, the way that, um, I forget her voice actor. Laura, the way, Laura Bailey. The way that Laura Bailey did it with the original, she's like really like the. It sounds like she's mocking him, but you listen to the new version, and it doesn't have that edge to it. And there's like several ever like cases throughout the game. Like there's some there's some cases where it is better voice acting, but then there's others where it's like, man, I actually kind of prefer the original take. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird, right? Because you know the the t- time that time is a factor, unfortunately. Like you know, it's been ten to eleven years since the original one came out, so it's it. I like you yeah. know for for that instance, I understand because people age, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we saw ask, we saw that bro. with. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Chow. I don't mean to keep. I was going to say like with a dynamic soundtrack. I was wondering, is, does that happen in the original near? Like for example, um, if you talk to Devila, she's singing "Song of the Ancients," right? As soon as you talk to her, she stops singing because you know she's singing the song and the, and the background stopped. music changes. Yeah, right. Does yeah. that apply in the original game, or it's just not yeah, it dynamic? It, yeah, that, it applies in the original game. It, yeah, it's it's one of the, so it's one of the rare instances in the game in the original version where that happens. But by it's and like large, diegetic vocal music. Well, it's kind of yeah. weird though because like early on, you're outside of the village, and what exactly what I was talking about as you approach the fountain where Devil is sitting, the vocals come into the music. Uh, and then if you talk to her, they stop because like, oh, she is singing them with the, which is, I think, cool and diegetic. And, but then you go into the, like the Northern fields or I think it's, maybe it's, well, maybe it's not until you're in Aerie, but then like there's vocals anyway, where it kind of like breaks its own rule. Like, oh, who's, who's singing this one? No one this time. Now it's just game music. It's just, it's a little bit weird. I thought Yeah. where at one point it's like, this is, this is there and we have a reason for it. And now it's kind of like, ah, oh, this is there. Cause it's a video game. Like enjoy the vocal music. It's like, okay, I will, but now i've got two sets of rules i don't know maybe i'm the only one that thinks that way but it kind of broke the moment for me a little bit i'm just hearing that you hate your soundtrack now all right i i, I want to go into every place and if right. there's vocals i want i want to see someone sitting somewhere you, uh, you, okay you just you just want like a chorus on the side of like the map <laughs> and like okay that's where it's coming from got it like like if you're to visit the airy it's like you go to the farthest depths of the area and you see just like a like a eight choir members there it's like mm-hmm. oh now and now I'm immersed. That that it's an incredible nitpick, but it, it's done really yeah, know, like what yeah, what, yeah. what Chow what Chow was talking about with Devil of Singing uh, outside of the city works really well and it's really cool. So they have something like that in, in near Automata as well with the with the amusement park boss. If you yeah. start to go in the menu, she stops singing right because <laughs> it's her voice that you're hearing. Well, they do that with uh, with the uh, a lot of the kind of songs from that game that are originally sung by like. The machines and then they go into like they just keep coursing up and up until it becomes just the theme of the battle that you're in so automata is a good game you should play it 
You have to play both of these. I, I, I think it's weird though that like oddly enough, if I were if I were to choose between if I uh, if between Toy Logic, like the same staff, like Toy Logic plus Tower from Platinum Games or Platinum Games themselves to make the next near, I would lean more into Toy Logic because I kind of prefer the way this game plays compared to Automata. I know that sound that might sound crazy. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. But like, yeah, I feel like this combat is definitely better than Atomata's combat. And if people want to disagree with me, that's fine. But they are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Hey, you know what? I'm here for it. Uh, I'll back up James for sure on this one. It just feels it just feels better. Like it feels more responsive and snappy. It just feels it feels genuinely like nicer to hit things in this game. As weird as that sounds. And, And and the less focus on like air con like you know big combo juggle combat that like you know can take a take a while like it's flashy for sure and like it has its place like devil may cry is like really good for it and whatnot like for for near it's like uh, you know i i want something simple and effective and functional and you know you can have like the little nice systems here and there but that's it for me no i kind of like that it's still simplified in, in that sense and i think it's really cool that you know for people who just want to experience the story this game has auto battle. Just set it on easy, and then you have like these auto battle options. That like, it's not even just like an an on off switch that like it'll do everything for you. It's like okay, I want to focus on hitting things, but I want you know uh, automatically. Uh, I want magic attacks to automatically be used because I don't want to worry about this system. Or like I want recovery items to be used because I don't want to worry about that. I just want to focus on like the combat. So it's even just kind of like little options like that, or even. Options that you know, one of the options that caught my eye early on, especially when I got the review code, was I went to the control scheme settings, and there's six different controller configurations, three for each, like, uh, like three different controller configs for like if you want to just use one hand. So like you, either you're unable to or or would rather to play the game with one hand. There's like three controller configs for left, three controller configs for right, and like that's what one of those like weird accessibility. Like decisions, like yeah, sure, why not? That sounds that makes sense to me, you know. That's like it's really bizarre and really cool that they did that. Well, I didn't. I, I don't follow this person specifically, but that's basically half coordinated's whole. Uh, yeah, like that's something that he really fights for, and he recently got a position at Ubisoft as like an accessibility based position. So it's kind of cool. Just yeah. as, I'm just I'm just bringing that up. It's kind of cool to see more developers. Yeah, you know, and we have saw obviously the colorblind modes and all that stuff in like Last of Us Two. So it's it's one of those things where you think like, how many one handed people are playing this? But then like, then you think to yourself, that's a dumb question. We should just that doesn't matter. Like let's let's make right. the game accessible so that they have the same as similar of an experience as everyone else. So really cool, you know. Yeah, and also to attack on to have Courtney like he's like a prominent uh, automatic speedrunner. So oh, that, that's, that's yep. Maybe that maybe that played a factor. I didn't know that. Probably, yeah, probably did to be honest. But you know, I'm it's, it's great. You know, I'm I'm really glad that that was a thing that's like in this game. It's like that you would never expect. It's like okay, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, it's I could talk about near till like the end of time. But you know that just yeah, for a lot of people, this is you know their first or second day like getting into it. So I'll, I'm I'm really excited to see. Everyone's playthroughs of it in here, like you know, who are going through it. Brian, James, Chow, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super excited for you guys, and uh, and I'm even just beyond this. Like I've seen another one of our staff, Colin, has been going through it, and a whole bunch of my friends. It's just weird to say that like the big 2021 re- uh, release in April is like everyone's all eyes are like on you. It's like yeah, all right, sure, 
<laughs> yeah, guess. first 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 time it's happened for our site that it's pretty much unanimous. So yeah, basically ever since I play Automata, I was like, I need to know everything about Nier. I don't care. It's like I just need to know everything about it. Even the gotcha game, the Sinualis, I need to know the backstories and lore of all those characters. I need more. Good luck, I guess. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Near replicate version numbers. And we will probably spend a few weeks talking about this as people like me uh, go through it through the upcoming podcast and have maybe maybe we we'll, probably won't. Well, maybe we will go into like a full spoiler territory. But maybe like once I get to the second part, I want to talk about like how I felt about the time skip and things like that. So <laughs> unfortunately, just being in this space where I contribute to a website about RPGs, like I've absorbed a few things through osmosis, even though I've never pulled up a YouTube video near analysis. Ciao. Yeah, ciao. <laughs> I just figured, so, you know, so I, I know about so I know, the previous so know, like, game before playing the sequel, but it's a terrible idea. So I know a few yeah. general things, but I don't know like what happens and why and how. So I'm excited to get there. Because my experience with Yoko Taro is I played the Dragon Guard games before playing Nier, so it's like, is this game gonna be jank? I don't know. But oh uh, yeah, you play Dragon Guard. Name and, every weapon. In 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 seven oh, years, are we gonna all reconvene for the Dragon Guard remake trilogy? Oh, no, 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 Josh, you got it wrong. You play Dragon Guard. Name every war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh uh, yeah, All I right. mean, if if, if this was to lead, if if, this, if like if this was like a toy logic like uh, scenario of like, hey, they're just trying to quote unquote training themselves for whatever is next that that they want to either make a new year or a new Dragon Guard or go back and try to remake or rework or version upgrade the first Dragon Guard or Dragon Guard three. I'm like, whatever they're gonna do, that's like Yoko Taro verse related. I'm I'm down for it. Just. I'm here for it. They they've proven themselves with this with this release, and um, I'm here, ready to go. So 45 minutes in, unfortunately, we got to give space to some other games, but we did have some cool other features <laughs> go up on the site this week. So before uh, before everything became about here, one of them is uh, one that I will speak to since Adam is not here today, is that he put up his review for Saga Frontier Remastered. So this is another game that I'm still also working through. Obviously, this was released a little over a week ago. Uh, but he put up a nice review for it. And Adam, as we mentioned, by staying up until the dead of night playing Saga games. Or I think he was playing Minstrel Song, the PS2 game. Uh, so he obviously kind of went into the Saga review a little bit like how Josh went into the near review, only maybe a, a, a tick down because he hasn't played every saga game, but he's a big fan of the series. Uh, so he went in and talked about like all of his experiences with how it's such a unique, eclectic, different sort of game. Uh, it's a hard game to review and like, say like, this is a, this is a mark of quality for this game. Cause it is so different. So I, I, I think just saga is more like an acquired taste. It's like you yeah. tasted root beer for the first time. You'd be like, damn, what the hell? What do people yeah. see in this drink? And you drink it of a few more times than you'll like it. Oh, yeah, that's just what root beer tastes like. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. So, uh, just so like root beer. saga is like root beer. Is that the title? <laughs> I don't, we should make the title. Uh, we should make the title uh, near related. A little maybe. bit more creative. <laughs> yeah, all, all all podcast titles from here on out are just uh, comparing saga to something else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's an acquired taste. You 
and every game is totally different. It's like if you come into one game expecting this gimmick, you're going to be completely wrong when you play the Inner Saga game. But yeah, even the the, the night or maybe two nights before near released. Uh, at least in North America, I was playing through Saga in the staff chat with uh, Chow, who had played through Fr- Frontier before. And I want to get back to it. I'm just kind of, I'm not often at the point where I'm juggling multiple games. Normally, I'm kind of like one one at a time where I, if I start something, I finish it before starting something else. But I'm not doing that right now. I'm halfway through Saga and I'm six hours into Nier. So uh, now I'm stressed. But anyways, we got a new, we got a new <laughs> review. Stressed. We got a review for Saga Frontier Remastered. Uh, he scored it a seven, but this this is kind of like by default for any scored review. Like, don't don't hyper focus on that. Like, he has some interesting thoughts about it. Like, he thinks it's a really interesting and worthwhile game to play. And then finally, we also got a review that we talked about on previous podcasts, but it's up now formally. Now, George put up his Disco Elysium: The Final Cut review, and it is an elusive perfect score or ten out of ten. So. Uh, George, I don't know if you wanted to say like, I know you talked about it at length a podcast or two ago, but I don't know if you just wanted to say any like concluding thoughts as you were putting the review together. No, (laughs) for the first time, I think the review speaks for itself. I spent like, it is one of my bigger ones, uh, I believe. And we spent a long time editing it down, making sure it had like, it it popped enough, like it said enough, like it justified its 10 out of 10. Uh, So for the first time, I'm going to be quieter than usual about (laughs) it. Elysium and just say the review reset it all. If you ever want to send me like a baked crow in a box, just send it my way and I will enjoy it because I was not <laughs> expecting you to uh to love that game as much as you did. But I'm glad that you did because it is such a different game. I, I feel like we keep saying that, but like all three of these games are kind of like what what do you compare to Nier faithfully? What do you compare to Saga Frontier faithfully? And what do you compare to Disco Elysium faithfully? You can all you always have to kind of like throw like curveballs where it's like Disco Elysium is kinda like Planescape Torment or Nier is kinda like Xenoblade, but you but like there's always like caveats or footnotes, like very a very interesting and unique trio of games. So Nier's kind of like every game in existence because of all of its <laughs> genre perspective shifts. So it's just like every other video game. Mm-hmm. and with that said uh i guess are there any other games we want to talk about other than near that we've been playing this week what did we play no and that we're in the world before near replicant came out i played a little bit of uh the the shin megami tensei nocturne pc port that i can only talk about us up a certain spot so obviously uh very early in um it's you know it's, it's kind of a bummer like going like nocturne is one of my favorite games of all time to, to get that out of the way it's my favorite ps2 game ever to this day i love i love nocturne but ha- going from near to nocturne the uh playing their their pc versions and you know it's already well established at this point that the near pc port is all sorts of up and down for for me personally it was fine because i i my system can only support a 1080 uh, p60 fps like uh sort of uh setup and that that works fine if you have that, but you know there are all sorts of fixes, special K, uh, having to cap the frame rate to sixty via the Nvidia or AMD control panel because the game breaks at higher frame rates because the game speed is tied to the frame rate. Like that's something I couldn't test for, but seeing other people, you know, in the community yeah. now, I was going to ask: Does been... the game tank on your FPS when during a cutscene? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not how the game is uh, g- generally. Like the cutscenes, like even in the 
if you're running it on a PS5 or Xbox, like that's just some cutscenes in the game don't run at 60 FPS. There's like at a, a lower frame rate. That's inherent an inherent part of the game. That's not something broken about it in this re-release. Speaking of the PC version, I've only played about four hours, but I've definitely had a number of issues. Um, the first one being that the very first time I booted it up, it was uh, running at an uncapped frame rate and basically at over double the FPS. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Over double the game speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I capped it at 60 in my AMD driver settings. and That worked. And I restarted the game after I got like to the actual like point where you could save. And then I got back to it. And no matter what I did, it was capped at 30 FPS if I was in full screen. Then 48 FPS if I was in windowed mode for whatever asinine reason. So I had to end up installing Special K because otherwise the game would just refuse to work right. It just on the other that's an issue. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Apparently that's an issue that a bunch of people, if uh, higher refresh rate monitors have had, it's definitely something that's common. Um I haven't had any issues with higher resolutions, at least, though some people have uh, reported that, too. Uh, one thing that's really weird is that the game does apparently have PlayStation button prompts if you use the PlayStation controller. But it seems not like not a total... Me. It was total crapshoot, because like you have people on the Steam community forums, and you have people on, like, uh, even in, like, Caldeans, uh, or however you pronounce his names, like, Discord server saying, yeah, I got PlayStation button prompts. But nobody knows how to consistently get them to show up instead of the X input. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I always, I always had Xbox uh, uh, button prompts for me. I, I just, I just assumed like, oh, it's like a lot of other Steam releases that don't have, uh, you know, uh, yeah, PlayStation a, button prompts. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was just, yeah, that's weird. I didn't have no idea that I could display PS button prompts. Uh, yeah, yeah, just tons of issues. Though I will say, if you're using an Xbox controller, you don't care about PlayStation button prompts as long as you just use Special K. You should be good. I, like once I did, I'm at 4K 60, no problems, no stutters, no hitches. It's just running fine. And so it's just good. Ju- just to provide just the all an alternative experience. Like I capped it to 60 to avoid the animation issue, and that's all I did. I changed the in-game setting to borderless window 4K, which is how I prefer to play it, and it was it's been fine. So up and down, as James said. Yeah, I didn't have to. Very, I didn't have. I didn't have the weird like frame rate limit. Like thirty. Very big years. mileage may vary on this game with, <laughs> yeah. with this PC part. Yeah. So I, the way I'd say it is, is that as far as I know, the console versions are all locked at 1080p. That's so if you only oof. have, so if you only have like a 1080p monitor, if you're only going to play at 1080p, get it on console. Uh, if you have like a 4K set or a 1440p set. Get it on PC because Special K isn't that much of a pain in the ass to install, and the game isn't that demanding. Like I think, oh. looking at my uh, like drivers, it like lets me know my utilization. It's it caps out at like sixty percent at four K sixty. So I mean, at four K sixty max settings on a sixty nine hundred XT, I'm pretty sure like a twenty seventy super or twenty seventy would be able to do four K sixty fine too. So, wait, 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 wait! Is but, it always going to be capped at 1080 on consoles? Yes, as far as what? I know. That sucks. I couldn't <laughs> tell. To be fair, like you, you could have said it's 4K and gone, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I don't know, but that's a shame. It's a, it's a very oh, clean art style. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, you know that 
like they'll release an official fix patch down the line like we can only hope but we know how automata went even though yeah. they're going back now supposedly. <laughs> well, they're already reviewing bone the steam page already like it says it's mixed yeah, to negative they're, they're, yeah it shouldn't be like this like to be honest where it has to be you know up to the community again to make this functional for a lot of people which is a shame but yeah going anyways back to the, the, yeah, point, the tangent that yeah, we started from. yeah yeah so like you know go, going from my relatively you know good experience with the nearest pc port with my setup and going to nocturne like it was i still love nocturne but man it's hard to go from that to like nocturne's pc port is just the very bare minimum to like get it up and running on pc the the frame rate is capped at 30 which i understand um you know that could be just tied to like the game engine how that game works but that it's such a it stings a little because when you think about how atlas's port efforts with the persona 4 golden uh pc port uh last year and that was pretty decent you know people were running it fine at like 60 fps higher frame rates on cap frame rates like that was pretty decent for the most part they and they actually patched it like you know to like there were some issues here and there but they patched it but like you know uh, just out of the box it was still like an impressive pc port from the from launch and just going from that and now to nocturne and nocturne is just you have it's a capped at 30 it starts that like that, that weird motion blur dithering when you uh swing the camera around which worked better back at the back in the day because it was supposed to be displayed on crts and whatnot so it was less of an issue there and and also you have these uh graphical settings on pc that are very vague it's like that you can't really fiddle with like custom settings or like many too many it's like you want graphical fidelity it's like low medium high it's like what does that mean uh do you want this on and off what does that mean and whatnot <laughs> and it's like it's so it's very bare bones i mean it works it, it works at a stable 30fps and that's fine but i just wish there was like a little bit more on what they did for the pc port in that game uh, I've also been playing with the English voices on uh, normal uh, back uh, originally. It didn't have any voices at all, and like that was like such a special part of the game for me because it's very moody, very atmospheric, and I still would heavily recommend people if it's their first time playing or if they're re revisiting it to like just turn voices off uh, entirely in that game. I think it adds a lot to that game. Not to say that the English or Japanese voices are bad. And that game, people still want voices on because that's how they prefer their games. It's fine. This is not fully voice acted. It's only voice acted like like main story scenes. But the, the voices are fine, but it kind of loses some of that moody and atmosphere uh, playing it uh, as I keep on playing it. And it's just like, it's it's still Nocturne. It's still pretty good. I, I And I'll you know talk about it more when it's closer to the re release. I'll keep on working at it. But you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a shame that like the the PC version of that is kind of like the bare minimum you can do. It's like you you fulfill the checkbox and yeah, like it's the, like, the, it's the like a port in the truest sense of the word, where it's just yeah. literally slapped on, ported. It's but like, to be more positive, Josh, your preview made me buy it. So you know, next month. Well, it's not even next month. Yeah, it's next month. I'll be playing it. Um, just because I read your preview and I remember you saying you and Adam being so fond of it, I was like, you know what? I'll give it a go. So what is this preview you're talking about? I didn't read. I didn't type up anything about Nocturne on the site. Did you not? No. Oh, Cullen. No, Cullen on Insider. Never mind. Critical <laughs> 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 preview you're talking about. Like that I did <laughs> they I write just this take credit for it, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll take credit, credit to you. 
that's that's really funny. Not, yeah, Nocturne's another one of those games I don't want to get to, so hopefully I'm not juggling these two before Nocturne comes out. And they yeah, put all the big releases around spring, don't they? I, I, I want to circle around the saga, back around the saga, but I have, to, I have to get near done, and then I'm working through Nocturne, and hopefully after Nocturne, I'll be able to play a game that's not assigned, but we'll see. Go back to Bravely Default 2. I know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. my job too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't Anyways. wait for Pokemon Snap coming out next week and Returnal. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I also I also want to play the the new Judgment re-release because I want to see like the the better performance on that. That, that alone, I kind of I love Judgment. Here's and, where yeah. I put the Judgment re-release if it was coming out on PC. <laughs> and also, thanks, Stadia. And, and since you mentioned Returnal earlier too, like I've I've been seeing previews of that game, and now I'm just like, oh man, this I would totally really like this game. So wait, like, wait, wait, wait! Is this game Returnal. that we all like? Told have we been saying every okay. week? Like, who pays seventy dollars for that? Yeah, <laughs> now but, it's like we will. Yeah, I don't but know. It, and and my defense, every week I've said I don't want to pay seventy dollars for it, but I will. <laughs> I already yeah. have. I already bought it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I don't know. I'm 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 like fifty fifty right now. I like I, I'm probably gonna decide it with like the flip of a coin. To be honest, next week. Was there any other final thoughts on uh on Nocturne? Um, uh, no, not 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 for now. Um, I, I can only talk about like a very small part of it. So that's kind of I, I don't know how much more I'll have to say with the full release. Other than yep, it's Nocturne. So who knows. And when is that coming out? Other than like more specifically than this next month, May twenty seventh, I think. Also oh, late next month. So yeah, May twenty fifth. Okay. All right. Close. All right. The only other game that's on the what we've been playing list is one of James's. So I'll let him take it away. I'm back on my Final Fantasy bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. How's um, the bullshit? If you're enjoying it. No, no, it's just because I've been doing like a series playthrough. So I, I, if you haven't been listening to the podcast the last couple of months, well, if you hadn't listened to the podcast from the beginning of the year, you wouldn't know. But I've been going through the Final Fantasy series from the very first one. And uh, I went through one through five in a pretty short period of time. Uh, I started six and then Monster Hunter came out. So... <laughs> For a while, I had to kind of put it down, like two months or something like that, because then I've been busy, and I guess I'm still busy now. There's a couple of other games I've been playing that I can't talk about yet. Um, so yeah, I got to World of Ruin and Final Fantasy VI, which, as far as I can tell, is a bit more than halfway through the game, maybe closer to two-thirds of the way through the game, depending. depending. Well, uh, go straight for the last boss right now if you wanted to, maybe. Yeah, but I'm going to do, I'm gonna, uh, do what... Um, what was originally intended and get all of the party members before going for uh, the tower. So, yeah. Um, I think I said this the last time I talked about six on the podcast, which was again months ago, but um, it's fascinating seeing the evolution from four to five to six, because they're very much as different as each of those games are. They're undoubtedly a trilogy in the sense that they build off of each other. Like, even Five, which a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't have a big focus on story, which I guess is true compared to Four, 
the way that the characterization works, the way that the um, the world building works, it's a lot better than four. Like one of my issues I had with four was that it, that just it's filled with story, but it's kind of like, oh, this person died, not really. Oh, th- these two people died. You can't save them, not really. It's like I th- when I played, yeah, it, I think yeah. I made a joke about. I thought I'm, I was playing Final Fantasy four, not. Old Steel Four, something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, sounds about but, right. Um, but um, yeah. If you missed it, I was a huge, huge fan of Final Fantasy Five. It's probably one of my favorite RPGs of all time now. It just loved it. Six is also a masterpiece. I was worried when I started it that it would be like, oh, everyone says that Six is a masterpiece. It's so good. It's going to be overrated. And then I'm playing through, it and it's like, no. This isn't overrated. It actually does hold up. It's not just nostalgia. It's still a fantastic RPG. You gotta think about the time it was released in. Like, for night four, this shit blows, like, kids' mind playing as it. Oh, Oh, totally. Like, from the stuff, like, the uh, opera, from uh, all of the, uh, like, even the world map. Like, even using the airship, it just feels really impressive for the hardware it's not actually 3d but the way you use it it just feels really cool it looks really cool um i like how even though you have bespoke characters that have their own sort of jobs built in kind of like four you still have aspects of five's job system in the sense that the espers lets you really customize what each character is because not only do you um, gain uh, magic abilities by uh, um, attaching different um, espers to different characters, but some of them also have unique bonuses, like you'll get extra HP or MP or strength or stamina when leveling up using that esper attached to them. And there's a lot of granularity that lets you make your... Basically, my lock might be entirely different from your lock. Whereas in Final Fantasy IV, at the end of the day... For each party member, basically everyone's going to have an enti- a very similar build for that specific party member. And it feels like a really good mix of the more linear aspects of 4 with the more open-ended aspects of 5. And it just feels really, really good. It's like a good middle ground. I still love 5, but 6 is... I can totally see why people love it so much because especially for when it came out, it's like groundbreaking, like the uh, character building, the world building, the uh, it's just fantastic game. I just, uh, it's been a while since I've played six, but I do remember loving it. I especially remember loving the interactions between uh, Edgar and Sabin because they're, you know, they're brothers and, uh, for, I always like just sort of like the twin or close aged brother relationship in RPGs. Uh, Rubido, Albedo, Edgar Sabin, all those are always like my, my favorite sets of story beats. Um, that reminds me, I, I just love how you could argue that, oh, well, Terra is the main protagonist of six, but there's a bunch of characters that are have the spotlight. Like you have moments where Celis is the main character. You have moments where Locke is the main character. You have moments where Sabin's the main character. We're seeing. It's interesting how Six manages to straddle that line of giving almost every party member enough characterization and gives them the spotlight. And it really does make it feel like you're a singular party working together rather than there's one person kind of pushing this train forward. It's like, no, everyone has a has a uh, dog in this fight. And it just really does make 
your party members, even some of the ones that are less important, feel, well, it feels like you have more of a connection to them. I, mean, I, I remember thinking... what they did right is that they split the party up at like right moments. Like if you played something like Cold Steel, it'll be like, oh yeah, you get 40 characters all at once and everyone just gets one piece of dialogue. So they have no presence whatsoever. But here in Final Fantasy VI, they, they split the characters up in crucial moments so you can let them have their character arcs, right? It gives some character breathing room. Uh, one thing, and I think I mentioned this before, like the last time I talked about it, um, the reason I say that there's a lot of Final Fantasy V DNA specifically in six is that one of the things that really stood out to me with five is that yes, it wasn't the story didn't have as much of a direct focus, but there were moments that you could even miss where there would just be these little skits with the party members, like uh, Bart's. If you go to his uh, hometown, there will be like a whole scene with that. And then there's moments like that all, scattered all throughout the world, and just like it really helps sell the party dynamics. And because those are missable in a sense, it makes it feel all the more earned and it makes it feel like a more organic way of showcasing that information. Like hell, the whole thing with Edgar and Sabin, if you go to, um, if you go to uh, Figaro with uh, both of them in your party after a certain point, there's an entire scene. that's like a, pretty decent chunk of storytelling that you just wouldn't see otherwise totally missable but and it's like when i'm playing through this game it's like man square enix knew how to properly showcase exposition in a in a story like this in 1994 but falcom still has issues with this in the year 2020 and I and I feel bad for harping on about well Falcom should be better than this. It's like they should be they should do this, they should do that. But it's I just like I feel like they're treating their audience like they're dumb these days. It's like, oh yeah, they probably forgot about all our games because we made too many. So we need to dump all this exposition so that they remember this stuff. It's like I don't need all this information. If they're fans, they would notice. Yeah. But I, I feel like Final Fantasy VI in particular has a really good is a really good example of sometimes less is more. And it's like, show, don't tell. It's just, man, I'm really excited to, to finish it fit and start seven because I honestly have no idea how I'm gonna feel about it after like going through like one through six. Like obviously I'm not gonna go into seven blind because everyone knows about the one big like early plot. Like and uh, that's not even the about. biggest plot twist. Yeah, but um, uh, that's all good if you don't get spoiled in the biggest plot twist. I feel like everyone knows about that big shocking moment, but there's a bigger twist than that. So, so James, uh, out of all the characters you've mentioned, which one do you think like is your favorite? I, that's a very basic question, but it's kind of the one I want to ask. So, which which character do you like the most out of the whole like fourteen party members? Um, which do I like the most? Uh, that's a really hard one. I'd say that I uh. I do like Locke. He's funny. And I do feel like he kind of straddles the line between um, being, he's not so much a womanizer. That would be freaking Edgar, but uh, he's, he's plucky. He's got a sense of justice. He's naive. Like dashing rogue. Yeah. It like literally a dashing rogue. Uh, But I also really do like um, shadow. Shadow's tight. <laughs> the guy would kill oh, anybody yeah. for a nickel. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, he's just a full character. 
I wish there was like a complete collection version of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, I God, I wish there was a PSP version of six because like the PSP version of four was really, really good. But I, I do feel like it, it's fine playing it like emulated Super Nintendo version. Um, I've been using a CRT shader, which uh, I I got used to it and I turned it off like a couple of nights ago just to see what it looked like. And it's like, oh, man, I'm glad I have it on because this game, so much of the detail for the sprite work is designed with CRTs in mind. Like there's these banners that the uh, that the um, Empire kind of has and and they're in their capital and you look at them without the CRT filter and like the little kind of like strands of fabric at the very bottom are just like solid lines. But then you look at them with the CRT shader on and it's very clear. Oh no, this is how it would look like. And I can see what they're going for. And it's just always fascinating when you go back to these older games and you realize that no, when they designed these sprites, they designed them with the knowledge that they were going to be displayed on a CRT where the inherent like, works of the uh, display would uh, kind of blend things together and add more detail than what's actually there. And it's kind of, it makes it tricky when you try to like reimagine that and redraw it in like a complete collection of sprite work. Like how do we draw this faithfully? So it's, it's probably a lot more intricate and involved than you might originally think. So gotta wait for final fantasy six remake intergrade. Wow, now you get some random episodes of some random character that you don't care about. You can't, wait see, to uh, hear about can't wait to hear about Mog's tragic uh, backstory. Oh. I, want, I want a DLC episode about Gogo. Yeah, <laughs> he got trapped how, in how, how he came to be how he is. If you have not played Final Fantasy VI, play it, but don't play the PC version or the mobile version. So, like, Square Enix is not doing us or anyone any favors, apparently, with Final Fantasy VI. I mean, could they just I would do what I would well actually, well, actually, what I would say is buy the PC or mobile versions, then emulate the Super Nintendo version with the ROM hack I've been using, the revised old-style edition. It's really good. It doesn't actually change up the gameplay or anything. What it does is it kind of, um, kind of straddles the line and figures, okay, here's the bet. Like Woolsey's translation, there's like obviously a bunch of people would love it. It has a lot of character to it. And for better or worse, it's the legacy of uh, Final Fantasy VI for a ton of people. So it kind of's like, okay, the Woolsey lines that do make sense and aren't like overly punching up, they stay in. Everything like uh, the other lines where it's like, uh, that doesn't exactly make sense. It uses the GBA translation and it, it tries to make it so that it fits together well. And, it, and I really like it. It's it's a it's a really good uh, ROM hack overall, and it has a bunch of like bug fixes and whatnot. The Super Nintendo Classic has FF6 also, right? Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, just a, that's without the patch. Also, so yeah, that's also why I didn't uh, buy the mobile version because it's like no, I own a copy of Final Fantasy VI, so it's like yeah. Uh, I still have the actual cartridge, so there you go. Or just go, you know, just do it on the, if you have a working Super Nintendo and. Just go find out a cartridge, and there you go. Easy. I could even tell you my file. I grind killing T Rex and and dinosaurs all day. If my file, it's kind of crazy. I was is it, is your that. file? Is your file still on the cartridge? Could you boot? Yeah, up it's still it's still on the cartridge. It's uh, I could even boot it up. Like, um, I did you replace my... the? Did you replace the battery though? Because... Not yet, but it will die eventually. I I can Whoa. feel it. Check the, the battery. Check your battery, Chow. It might be dead already. What did Young Chow name everyone? 
Um, just what they are. Oh, you didn't Young Chow is like Young Fun. I never, <laughs> you I heard they ever change the name. <laughs> you didn't change that to Poop and Butt? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think nice you're telling like, on yourself, Josh. They <laughs> nice to change the Pokemon names to like what they were, and I still did it for like Sword and Shield, so like <laughs> Wooly. I- Someone knows how to have fun. <laughs> hey, this, this is what I did. This is this this completely explains like the type of person I am. And you know how I changed my Pokemon names? I changed them from all caps to just first character cap, so that it wasn't always like shouted. <laughs> or it was like, "That's a nice Pikachu you have there." <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I remember like back on the GBA, they did that where it's like, "Oh, it's just all caps," and so they, that was how I changed the names. <laughs> Didn't they yeah. only fix that with like uh, the DS games onward or oh, something? I don't remember, but yeah. Like shouting all the time. <laughs> Excuse me, young man, you will not shout their names. I'll make sure. <laughs> of that. And with that, I guess uh, we'll go into the news section. We'll be talking more about Nira in the future, I'm sure. So this week we have a lot of little things, a pretty long list. Most of them are kind of like very quick rapid fire sorts of things uh but we do kind of have one major headliner at least for the focus of our site and that is that we have a release date for tales of arise which to it me arose. yes to me this is like uh, actually like really surprising because obviously we had a little bit of news on tales of arise after a very long kind of like quiet period earlier in this year and they actually said like look forward to first half of the year we're going to tell you more like they basically said this was coming but it still feels like a surprise to me like after so much silence for so long like we have a release date and they did a, they did a blowout of like different editions and all the dlc like the whole usual marketing shebang like here's all the like, school outfits and swimsuit outfits and all the collector's editions and like really kind of just like open the doors to you can make big... the two characters into sephiroth if you really want to <laughs> Did you ever uh, say the date? Oh, did I say the date? No, this I am bad at September this. 10. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The release date that I am teasing you with and dangling in front of you. It's uh, September 10th with an additional PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X release. Uh, man, there's just, there's, they just revealed a whole bunch of this game at once. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out okay, like, well, what yeah, to talk about uh, first. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's clarify it. As, as you mentioned, September 10th. And this still coming to last generation consoles. So it's still coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Uh, on top of now having a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series version, obviously still being released on PC via Steam uh, on top of all this. So one of the major and, things that came alongside this is the, we already knew about, what are the names? Alfin and Shion. Uh, yes. we, also, we also know two new characters, uh, two new party members. We have Rinwell and Law. And we have a whole bunch of screenshots and new release date trailers so like oh they're not the only party members though they they, they uh the, the, along with rinwell there's like a little owl creature on her hood called fururu yeah and that's and only like... that's only significant is because i i the there's a big like special collector's edition physical collector's edition for north america and europe and europe is the only one that has like a bunch of Fururu accessories and plushie and whatnot in there i saw the plushie uh yeah i guess they call it the hootie edition so maybe that's the hoodle hoodle uh, edition yeah, hoodle. Maybe, maybe, yeah maybe, 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 maybe maybe that's the uh localized name but i i saw that plushie. I, didn't, I, I didn't realize that it was eu only but now i see that it is what what is this ha, ha, ha. i'm gonna get it god just damn it you guys fuck fuck wow. you george 
Damn. <laughs> Even like a metal case that has like Hoodle's face on it. Oh, yeah. I, I might have the just a Japanese name for the owl, but uh, what, was the, what was the English name for the owl? Hoodle. H O O T L E. Hoodle. That's good. That's <laughs> but good. yeah, we have a ton of new. Uh, we have a, we have an article. We don't normally do articles. By we, I mean Adam, who does 99% of our news uh, just for like screenshot releases, but they just dumped 60 of them on us. So he actually like packaged them all up into an article of its own. A whole bunch of all the new characters, of all the artwork. The game looks gorgeous. Like it just does. Oh, uh, yeah. The- they really went out of the graphical engine for this game. They they go they go into a lot more detail, like in like the the development messages and the articles about like, hey, be really focused on like just really kneeling down like a like a painting esque uh, aesthetic for the game, and it worked, looks really really nice. Yeah, they uh, actually said that they like custom the story though. Yeah, they custom made a shader to deliberately get like that painterly art style, which I think is really neat. Like. Uh, I was just gonna say, like all the Tales games, like their story kind of shifted in direction when it comes to their stories. Like back in the old days, it was just like a simple kind of save the world story. But at the end of the games, you usually find out that the villains are not evil. Usually, that's how the, all their games formula usually goes. Well, it's 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 very up and down on whether they like execute that well or not. Uh, so it's kind of we'll see. Like the like the from the outset, like the premise of this game is that Alfin is the main protagonist there there's these two planets rena and donna i think and uh the the planet that he's from da- donna is like being worked and like kind of enslaved by like the or being worked for uh the other planet and like he's trying to like free the people of this planet from that so i, I think that's the how the general uh story is at the moment so we'll see hopefully, hopefully it turns out well um part of the details they announced for this game is that uh it'll have a performance mode uh, up to 60 frames per, se- per second and graphics mode uh which supports up to 4k uh so hopefully um i, I wonder if the next gen versions just allow for both like some some uh like some of the sony first party stuff um the playstation 4 and xbox one versions uh support a free upgrade to their uh next gen consoles so if you're gonna pick this up for a last gen console uh if you get a new one down the line you'll be able to get this for free along with that um trying to think of other things the 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 people who are i don't know why people are worried that they they already announced all the all the party members because we saw a little bit of the fatal system only support for there's still gonna be more party members uh to announce uh they had like a big famitsu interview that covered a lot of this and they released um like a few gameplay clips uh, alongside this. Like I know I, I yeah, there's, there's there's like the, first. There's, yeah, there's like the big announcement trailer, and then like the day after there was like the non-exclusive site trailer. Like there's there's a a seven minute trailer that's focused just on gameplay as well. Yeah. So and I, I, the ones that really caught my eye were uh, there's like these little twenty five second clips of like just showing off each character in combat briefly. And like that looks like the combat system looks really good. Like I'm very excited. Like they're already teasing like there might be flash step in the game. Um, they, you, the, all the characters look generally fun to play. Like from the little clips that they show, I, I'm just crossing my fingers they don't make the the mistake they did with Berseria. Or like that's a fun game, but you got pretty punished if you got hit on that, which allows you to, to if you got hit in that game, you have less resources to do what you want to do, and that that didn't feel fun mm-hmm. 
And, and one thing, and one thing that I thought was weird. I don't know if this was just me. Had I had my expectations misaligned, but mm-hmm. the combat is not seamless. You still like you run around as just the protagonist, and then at least this was what was shown in the gameplay trailer. And then you'll run into the enemy and, and initiate a combat screen, which is how the series has pretty much always worked. Uh, so it's still there's still like a combat arena where your party members will show up and then you fight the enemies. Yeah, okay. there's a combat transition. Yep. Mm-hmm. So having watched the seven minute trailer. Uh, the gameplay one and the story one. Uh, this looks really good. Is it a George game? What's our vote? Like Brian has been notoriously wrong in the past. Well, about if, what you, a if, if you like Kingdom Hearts and Ease as action JRPGs, I can't see why you wouldn't also like this. Yeah, like it, it might, it might be, you might like it, and I, I think it all really depends on the characters and the cast. Like we don't really know much about like how they're gonna mesh well together because. There are definitely some Tales games that, um, like they, they're fun to play, but it's hard to get engaged with them because the cast just doesn't work or mesh well with each other. So it's very up and down. So I'm really hoping, like everything right now seems really cool, but you know, it, even the even Berseria didn't really capture me as a as it did with a lot of people. So it's hard to say at this point whether it'll stick the landing. I hope it does. It looks really really promising. I think Viserys won the stronger points with the story because the cast is actually very dark in that one compared to most of the I, other games. Yeah, I, I, like it has a nice story and cast, but like the gameplay itself got really old for me very fast, and like generally, like yeah. around the it, gameplay like, is a little weird. It's a little hard to adjust. I couldn't really figure it out at the end, and in the end, I just felt like I was bunted mashing. I think that was the biggest problem with the game. Berseria's big, like one of Berseria's big problems too, is like it it really disencourages you or like discourages you from like experimenting with other uh, party members because if you let velvet alone she just kill herself and it's like oh i have to go babysit velvet by yeah that life dream mechanic right yeah just kind of a bummer also but, the uh one one place where arise could make the most improvements in my book is like just dungeon design in general just because yes. this is a lot of like big square corridors with 90 degree turns that don't do anything interesting and a bunch of drab Bland environments. That's not entirely true, but in general, I have to say, like, though, as much as I enjoy Assyria, it has one of the worst final dungeons in the game. It's like, (laughs) oh, you know, it's simple. It's a very like linear dungeon, but it takes hours to navigate through it. Yeah. So I think you know, I think I think they're taking a lot of like the feedback that they've gotten in past games into account because they they are you know obviously not only just like making graphical improvements. And making it look prettier overall, but they they understand like you know like some of the environments in the past games have been kind of drab, and like they're trying to make it more lively. And I, I think they're they're taking away the right lessons from them, and uh, hopefully it really pays off in a big way in Arise. Like Arise could be very big for the Tales series if it everything like just hits on all fronts. Well, you I could be cynical and you could be cynical and be like, pay attention to the monster designs in this one because you'll see them in the next six Tales games or whatever. As they I mean, they, 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 they don't have Hideo Baba anymore, the, the, the legend, the god. So oh, More on that later. <laughs> but yeah, September is pretty early. Like, that's not that far away. Just, it's, yeah. I'm like, I, I know I already stated this, but I thought we were going to be waiting a lot longer for this. For some reason. I love how they basically revealed it, then we got nothing, and then finally they said it's it's coming out in uh, five months. Yeah, five months. Jeez. But yeah, it looks oh. really nice. It looks really cool. Uh, 
I guess like oh. I, I think they saw like on the Twitter, I don't know if it was North American or global trends, but Bizaria started t- trending. So I don't know if people are like, oh man, I better I better finally clear that one out because they they all like got you know sidetracked like, or you whatever. Know I never finished it. Nah, you don't have to. It's uh, it's okay. You can wait for this game if you're really excited for it. You don't have to push yourself to Bizaria if you don't really know how to. I, I feel bad because I'm like, ah, I don't really like Bizaria all that much at the end of the day. I don't like I can't like I'm trying to think of the last Tales games I actually like like by like it's very hardcore. Uh no, Vesperia fell apart for me in the second half, the very last stretch of that game. The third act is the worst part of the game. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I used to be a big hardcore Tales guy. I owned like every single Tales game until until the Vesperia. But I I can tell you my favorite game is still the Tales of Destiny remake that never well, came well, out. Mine's still mine's still Tales of Eternia. That's still my favorite Tales. I'll be a normie and say I, I did like Vesperia. I also really liked Abyss. So I'll play Tales games. I was under the impression that these were sort of like universally adored. Like obviously, I know the series is like a big deal, but you know, to hear like well, the thing the thing I about Tales is that point. it has like it has like these pockets because it has a very spotty history of localization. localization. Like not not only just some games make it and some games don't, but some games make it to North America but not Europe or Europe and not North America. So it's really like where you grew up and when you grew up that might affect and like also just your pitch ant for how willing you um, are to import stuff. I, I discovered the series a lot earlier. Basically I wanted some kind of fix that wasn't Final Fantasy and the Tales sort of provided that fix at that time. I was playing Tales of Fantasia <laughs> by that time. And they were like, oh my god, this is so awesome because you get like a real-time battle system that felt like a fighting game, sort of, but with RPG elements. But, you know, it just like it just was something unique at the time, right? But as, as time grew, you know, you'll find that the first game is really outdated, and when you play the newer games, it's just like, I can't go back to the old games anymore. No way, I could go back to the old teams still. <laughs> so for, me, for me, a lot of older Tales games I prefer over the newer ones. But then also, even even like within the similar release, like Legendia, Abyss, and Symphonia all released roughly around the same time, I want to say. But Legendia felt way different than the other two. So d- there's a little bit of a, what flavor of game do you like more sort of thing. So, but even that yeah. had its own localization oddities. Uh, so, okay, let, let, let me contextualize it for George. A lot of this, like like uh, like up and down with the t- series, went uh, reach a breaking point all the way down when uh, Tales of Hysteria was released. Because that was being touted as like the the big like you know anniversary project that's uh, um, you know for the, the higher end consoles at that time, which was the first PC the release. Three? Oh yeah, it was the first PC release, and like Zysteria is generally considered the worst Tales game well, <laughs> for a lot of people. In uh, in Europe, in that poll, <laughs> it ranked really high, but that might just be because they are more because of a PC release, and also that it had better european language support so there's all these like factors they like why would so and so like this game over this game but they have to like factor in like the all the context of the release where we don't all have the same experience but depending on where we were at the time okay and then contextualize that even further but besides (laughs) Arise, that was two tales games ago so ever since hysteria we've only really had berseria as like the 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 last big main mainline tales game so like in a sense tales is still trying to recover from that and people are like really looking and hoping forward to like, man, I hope there's like a, a new Tales game that's good that's not associated with Zysteria because Berseria was very much associated with Zysteria. Made it better I guess, retroactively. 
that makes sense then as to why like Tales of Rise has had so much hype around it. Yeah. Like I, when I joined RPG sites, it was one of those things like, when are we gonna hear about Arise? And like we would just make <laughs> tweets about it, like, oh, we still haven't seen it. So I guess it's like now I can kind of understand that there's like a lot on its shoulders to be great. Here's the whole thing, man. It's Here's like a big series thing. reboot button. So and it used to be it used to be it, like basically it, an annual series for maybe not like literally annual, but it, it would have every year or every other year. And then Basario was what, 2016? And then it went they're like, all right, back to the drawing board for a bit. Let's let's take some time and course correct. So that's also kind of why it's got this extra like expectation on it. I think that's probably why the series sort of went mediocre because they kept releasing series like a new game every year. It's like you got uh, Cilia, Cilia Two, where we just recycle the entire asset so we can get this game out early. It's like, ah, uh, well, it's terrible. Man, Cilia Two is a really funny game because the main character is like, why would you play anyone else but the main character in that game? It was just designed for him. Dude, he's the most OP protagonist ever, dude. <laughs> Fucking Zillia too. Another major headliner of this week is about Ace Attorney. The Great Ace Attorney this- Chronicles. Go ahead, James. So Great Ace Attorney was those two uh, Takumi-directed uh, Ace Attorney games that everyone in the West wanted us to get because it's like, hey, it's Ace Attorney with Sherlock Holmes. Now it's Herlock Sholmes because yep. uh, they they got tired <laughs> of waiting for the Doyle estate to have no legal leg to stand on. Yeah. It's not very the lead. It releases on Switch, yep. PS4, and PC on July 27th. So the same game. day as the world ends with you, Neo. So, which so it yeah. fucking sucks because I have to choose. Okay, so it's like first. PC via Steam to, to, to clarify. It's like mm-hmm. we don't want to uh, bury the, the like the the headline here before everyone gets into it. Um. Yeah, like you said, PS4, Switch, PC, via Steam, July 27th. Um, 40 bucks, really good deal. Like, they're two great Ace Attorney games. Well, yeah, this, 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 is, this is the, yeah, the, and to, uh, to clarify, there were two great Ace Attorney games that released in Japan, and this, this is being bundled with both of them. So, yeah, I get two for one in this release. Wait, 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 okay, okay. Back, back up a sec. There's someone, okay. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> Herlock Sholmes, I've seen the memes. Is that seriously why he's called okay. Herlock? Yes. <laughs> let me let me provide some context to that. Perfect. So in, in the original Japanese release for this, he was Sherlock Holmes in that release. But because of the way uh Western copyright law is, um in in the games, uh it it goes over one of the, the most it recreates one of the most recent books in the Sherlock Holmes store like timeline. And there's like a series of Sherlock Holmes books that the Doyle estate uh has a copyright over most of them are in the free domain uh public domain because yeah, enough time has passed but because one of the later stories is being uh, adapted for greater ace attorney that hasn't been released in the public domain yet they had to find a workaround for that and that's why they rented herlock Sholmes to bypass that uh, like it's not a <laughs> loophole for that you so. see similar stuff like in the jojo anime you, you when, call when it a loophole it. but it's more like a lupon hole <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh the joke being that um uh uh yeah. Offer from Lupin was trying to use that to get away with a loophole, but they still uh, tried to like counter or something like that in history. But does that does that make sense, George? Because I know it's a weird, weird thing too. Yeah, yeah, that, that okay. does make sense. Okay. So yeah. And, and this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be dual language. It'll be Japanese, and then they're also having a full uh, English dub for this release. And 
it you know remastering assets making it look good uh it's it's really i th- i think i think how it is is one of the games primarily takes place in london and the other takes place in japan no no Was it? the way it, the way it works is is that um the first case in the first game takes place in Japan, and then all of the other cases take place oh, okay. in Virginia. Yeah. Um, I did so. I did play the fan translation for the first one. It's very good. I am super excited for this, so I can finally play the second one because there's a reason that ever since the second one came out, they've only really ever sold both of them in the same package because they're one story. It's basically just one singular story across two games. So wait, is it like this one case or something? No, no, no. one case. It does the story like it's like a direct continuation. Oh, I see. Yeah. And like, uh, oh. you can play this without having played any of the other Ace Attorney games. It doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the Ace Attorney story, considering this takes place 400 years before them. So uh, yeah, it's. I really like the first one. One of my favorite Ace Attorney games, and every single person I know that's played the second one says. Second one is probably the best Ace Attorney game in the series. So okay, I have more questions. Wow, that, that's a that's okay. Hard so. What what is the the Ace Attorney games that are like? They're like um, point and click adventures. No, 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 wait, wait, wait! I haven't finished. The <laughs> I know Ace Attorney is, but what's the ones that's not Phoenix Wright? It's his successor, but he's still sort of in it, but he's not. Apollo like, Justice. Character? Yeah, that's Apollo Justice. Oh, I, I, and... That's it. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to remember. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I guess what was I gonna say? So this would be. I'm trying to remember. Besides this, uh, these pair of games. What are the other uh, Ace Attorney games that haven't been localized yet? Uh, the um, only one that hasn't been localized. Grade... Besi- yeah, the only one that hasn't been localized besides these two now would be uh, Investigations Two. Okay, but that has a fan patch, so yeah. But you know, obviously, we would like to see an official release instead yeah. of fan patches. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be that, that's cool. I mean, the, fi- finally, people can get to experience these games. I haven't played them, uh, so I'm really excited to. Yeah, I didn't I'll, like I'll go for Yeah, I'll probably get around to them after Neo the world ends the deal. It's gonna it's a, that's a tough day, but yeah. If I hadn't played the first uh, Greatest Attorney, I would have to play Neo. First, but unfortunately, I did play Greatest Attorney One, and I've been waiting for Greatest Attorney Two for years now. So wow. it's like this fuck. is easy for me. I'm just gonna go for Ace Attorney. No, I, I also, no, I guess, you. I guess for people who only want to see the story for this game, like they don't want to like deal with the gameplay, they just want to see the story. They did add like a, a feature in these upcoming re- uh, releases of Greatest Attorney, where it's like a story mode where you basically turn it on and like it'll play the game for you, and you can just like see the story in the cases. Oh, come on. I mean, Come if you don't on. want to, I mean, you know, some people that aren't here for that, they just want to see it unfold, which is all right. Sure. Yeah, I assume we'll be hearing about that on the podcast uh, come July. So, man, this this year is all of a sudden feeling a lot more packed. A lot of smaller bit news uh, at the end here, probably about a dozen little things here. We'll see exactly which ones we want to spend time on. The first one is about Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis. So we... Hmm? Hey, what? hey, hey. I, I know that Brian at least has a horse in this race. So. I know, I'm joking. I, know. I just want to annoy Brian. <laughs> so uh, they've revealed that it will launch simultaneously in June. So no Japan and with the global tag-along delayed version, but it will release 
in two months worldwide. Uh, before that, though, they did reveal that through the Xbox Insider program on PC, you'll be able to sign up for an English version of the closed beta test in May. And then additionally, in May, they will distribute basically a character creator slash benchmark software for New Genesis, which runs on a new engine. Eventually, PSO2, Fantasy Star Online 2, will get an engine update globally that Japan got a few months ago. But that hasn't happened yet. I don't know if that's dated. Uh, but I do know that at, at, in one of the screens for like recommended hardware for this, they recommend like a, a very update, up-to-date CPU, like an Intel 10900. 10, so well, technically that's for like max settings, they said. Yeah, think- but it, it's also just... Uh, like if the game is going to have a seven, eight year lifespan, obviously in four years, the requirements won't seem so sky high. So they're they're aiming high to, to start out. But uh, I'm interested in this. I did sign up through the Xbox Insider program. Uh, it's, it wasn't very intuitive. It's The app doesn't make a ton of sense. There's barely anything on it. But I pressed a few buttons and it said I was in or not in, but like registered that I might be in. So hopefully uh it's kind of weird because I have a few things that I want to do on like my my base file, my Fantasy Star Online 2 file to kind of like close it out, so to speak. Like, all right, I got the best gear. Now I can leave this behind me before I go on to do Genesis, even though none of it like carries over. I guess I'm scared. Carry me, Brian. I'm, I'm going to play this game. Carry me, Brian. Well, the main uh, the main thing that I need to make to decide is I played basically a spellcaster of force before. And I like, don't want to do that again. To see how it's different, or do I want to do something like completely new? I, I haven't really decided yet. Like, uh, I, I haven't really thought fo- I was possibly going to play in this either. I haven't been following the news like to a T. Like, which classes are carried over at the start, and which do we have to wait on? Like, I believe like some classes that were introduced later in Fantasy Star Online too, like the bouncer, aren't at New Genesis that launch. They're oh no! With, uh, God damn it! <laughs> My main's a bouncer. Uh, I don't oh, wow. know. Just don't, gotta take, wait, don't, take, don't take that as gospel, but I just know that some of the later classes obviously aren't showing up at launch. They're probably going to pepper them in over time. I assume you'll see like fighter, hunter, uh, ranger, force, tech, tector, something, stuff like that. Just the base, like six or eight. Uh, but I'm, I'm sort of just like, I'll go in and what what's there is what's there and i'll I'll choose between what's available at the time maybe i'll put mess with the character creator and i don't know how in-depth that'll be next month but uh, i am planning to jump onto this game at launch yeah maybe yeah maybe i should go do that character creator so i don't have to worry about it at launch like i i, I was traumatized with my previous uh, fantasy star online 2 experience but i'm going to give this a shot because that was at a time where psl2 was only available through the windows store or the microsoft store on pc well i have uh, good news for you josh the uh closed beta is being done through the windows store version well i'm not doing the closed beta i just i'll do the character creator if they allow it on steam or whatever if they if they release that through steam then we're good uh, I'm, I'm never touching any other version of pso2 again <laughs> for, 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 yeah, for anyone that doesn't have context like josh had to like dig into like registry hell to clear a hard drive of like a failed uninstallation of the windows store version of fantasy star. Yeah. yeah. And I, um, even I, I, even though the steam version, as far as I can tell runs re- pretty well and is intuitive and makes sense and doesn't do anything you don't want it to. I still play through the fan made launcher, the, uh, what's it called? PSO two tweaker. And as far as I know, they're planning on 
making it compatible with the new Genesis version because it's going to be like two paths of the same client. Like obviously it's not Fantasy Star Online 3, it's two and then like new Genesis. And I don't know if they're going to share like data centers or ships as they call them like in universe, but uh, I'm kind of going to be keeping an eye on what those the folks over at PSO2 Tweaker, how they're going to implement it into their like custom launcher. I Basically based on precedent over the last year, I assume they're going to do a bang up job. So. We also got another release date for another PC game. Uh, Yeast 9, Monstrum Nox, will release on Nintendo Switch and PC in July. In North America, this is July 6th. In Europe, it's July 9th. In Oceania, it's July 16th. So this is another game that I have to earmark for July because I did not play this when it released on PS4. And I, I was mean, waiting for the... Uh, I play it again on the PC. Haven't you played through the game twice? Yeah, I was I was going to say it's like part of me wants to play it again on PC, but then the the rational part of my brain saying you just got the platinum trophy six months ago. Yeah, but uh, obviously we have to hope that this has a better launch than East 8. All signs seem to be pointing that way with uh, Durante. I, yeah. I wouldn't even worry about it. But yeah, you say it had like the original release and then the. Uh, the Nice-driven update to redo the, the translation, and then Durante fix up after that to, to eventually kind of get it in a good spot. Actually, so, technically, didn't the PC version for E8 originally get delayed until the retranslation? That's like right, a day or so. The, before yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's right. The translation for the uh, console version of E8 and the PC version like coincided, and then the PC version had to have like another go pass through with. God bless you, kind of like keep up the chronology of you say it. I'd uh, I'd never want to think about it at this point. Falcom games are just difficult because they have staggered releases and then they get late ports after that. And then on top of that, there's like the like there's there was also a East Nine console patch in Japan, but not in North America yet, as far as I know. It's it's tough. Like uh, it's tales of arise. Just everything releases at once, everywhere on one date. And then even even the regions here, where Europe, Oceania, and, and North America have different dates for this version of the game. So yes, I don't know how Adam keeps up with it all, but it'll be on PC this summer. So I really like Yeast Eight. It was my favorite of like the new style of yeast, the party yeast, which uh, I didn't like Seven or Salsetta much, but I did like Eight. And it seems like Nine, once you don't have performance issues to deal with, ends up being a really really strong game as well. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have the exact same thought about all the East games. I just feel like I, ever since they switched to the party system, it's just not the same. But eight kind of won me over. Yeah, I feel like it's not even really a hot take at this point. Most people that have played the majority of the East series kind of agrees that the party system really wasn't worth it until eight. <laughs> like seven and memories of Salsetta, the party system just was not super good. Here's a follow-up from a big conversation that we had a couple months ago. Obviously, we had our big feature detailing all of the RPGs on the PlayStation 3 and Vita digital storefronts because of the looming threat of their imminent shutdown. However, Sony did formally announce that they're going to keep the PlayStation 3 and Vita digital stores alive based on the overwhelming negative feedback. So 
We mentioned that we would eat crow if we were wrong, but I, I think like that was it. That was it. That was if the reports ended up being false. But the thing is, like the reports ended they up being true. They confirmed the reports, yeah. But then Sony decided to U-turn and backtrack. Also, so, in a an addendum to this, uh, somebody found out that going. the the web store that the old web store they didn't actually remove it. They just removed a few like HTML links in order to get it working and somebody made a uh, an add-on for uh, Firefox that lets you just get onto the old web store and use it again which I, is I crazy it's that, that simple i guess the important detail here is that they're still shutting down the PSP digital storefront on July 2nd as planned so i mean this mm -hmm. is this is good for the most part but we're still losing a good chunk of games well, to find so. to be fair to be fair the PSP storefront has all has kind of been half dead for like or five years now, something like that. Like, yeah, but, but it's, yeah, but it's still like it's, there, there's still stuff on the PSN store for PSP, and those things are still getting yeah. deactivated. So, is there then, like you know, a workaround for that? Like, you could download a PSP game onto your PS3, then you transfer it to your yes, PSP. you could do that. You could do yeah. that. And um, one of the other things is, is I believe they said that the download list will still work. So, so we'll, we'll see. And then there's just there's still talk of like, I don't know if this was like a glitch in the system or if it never got fixed, it didn't follow up. But, you know, there was still a handful of like PS3 updates that people couldn't get anymore for some games or some or, or some games in certain regions. So I didn't follow up to see where that went. But those went back up. Know. It was just like some momentary turbulence with whatever like back end they were they used to hold PS3 updates because people were able to eventually download them. It was just some network troubles because. I mean, that stuff happened when the PS3 was new. Like, PSM was not a very solid infrastructure when the PS3 and PSP were new. Yeah. So, okay. So, obviously, um, we made those big features where we provided the big list of all the RPG, RPG-focused games on those, set, on those systems and all those storefronts. We updated it to show that, yes, the stores, at least for the Vita and PlayStation 3, will stay up, but still kind of a nice repository to say, like, these are all the games that are kind of on these storefronts that you should definitely check out because they aren't they aren't available conveniently like as a PS4 port or later. So still still uh, very guess, glad that you guys put that list together. Yeah, I, I guess we should just mention like you know when uh, Jim Ryan put out the statement and you know president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. So I'll just read like some a few of what like their mindset was when they announced this on the on the PlayStation blog. When we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. And then, you know, it goes on to say that like, now we see that there's an incredible pa passion from the community to keep these up. So like, you know, the, their mindset was that, hey, you know, especially on the PS5 digital storefront it's still not there you see where the web store is now the modern web store it's, it's still a mess and you, you can easily see sony these days being like we want to dedicate more people onto these projects of like getting those up to snuff uh and you know getting and then that's the consequence of like hey for since we have to reallocate the these people we can't any we have to end support for these uh, legacy stores so you know, I wonder. I wonder what their solution is now. Like, are they hiring more people and training them to deal with that end, or will updates to the PS5 storefront and the web store, like whatever uh, 
updates they they might uh, be planning for it is that now further pushed out pushed out because of this change. So you know, cause and effect. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if if updates to the PS5 store are slower than they would have been, but we were ignorant to how slow they would have been. Like, I don't know, on the consumer facing standpoint, it doesn't change a whole lot of our expectations. I think a lot of people have already kind of made their peace that the PS5 store is limited, <laughs> pared back compared to the old one. At least for now, I expect over time, over the console's life, it'll get updated. But I hate this saying, but it's kind of one of those things where it is what it is. Like, <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. really have a choice in the matter. Yeah, we're kind of. We're on the whims of whatever the big companies want to do. <laughs> yep. It's at least, though, in this particular case, we didn't have to just eat the fact that those games would no longer be available. So the voices were heard. So the best possible yeah. outcome, even within those constraints. Not with so, the eating crow part. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see, right? That this, this announcement is great, but it feels temporary because it feels like it's inevitable one day still. <laughs> Yeah, that, it, it does feel like there is still like a there's still like a doomsday clock almost. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's also in the long run. Uh, one thing that happened after the initial announcement for the store going down was a bunch of PS3 and Vita games like shot up in value. They've started to normalize now, but they're normalizing to a higher value than they were before the announcement. Sony's so, in cahoots in the with the resellers. No, I mean, like in the long run, it's just going to mean that the final price that these games probably settle on is going to be higher for it since it's like off on, off on. It just it's not something necessarily that Sony's fault. It's just, well, damn. Well, yeah. it might be like a weird side effect of this is that it kind of increased the visibility of some of those games on those systems like you can play some, like these awesome Suikoden games on the on that storefront and they're really good. And some people might be like, oh. Let me download and try it out. Like the, almost like a spotlight was put on there. Like, by the way, we have all these awesome like legacy titles available here and they're going to stay available now. So if there's like let a me, silver lining. <laughs> yeah, let me put it this way. The copy of Mary Skelter Nightmares I bought at Anime Expo 2019 for 30 bucks. It's still going for over 200 bucks on eBay. What was it at? Uh, it Well, it's, it was at 100 bucks before oh. the announcement that things were going down. And it bumped up, and it's just stayed up. Maybe we should have talked about this during the near uh, discussion earlier. But during one of the uh, release live streams for a near replicant square root of one and a half, uh, Yoko Taro did announce that he is working on a brand new digital-only title for Square Enix. We don't know a lot of details other than some vague generalities about the game is difficult to explain. It's somewhat unusual. It's both nostalgic and new. So it's... It's Dragon Guard 1, baby. Let's Dragon go. Dragon Guard mobile game. <laughs> I like how you both immediately go to Dragon Guard. <laughs> Come on. Gotcha is the most depressing genre of games you can play, and it just totally fits Yoko Taro's mindset. I, I, I hope it's not Gotcha. If it's not a mobile game, I, think, I, but... hope, it's, I hope it's a console game, just digital only. That's that's fine. If it's a if it's smaller scope, sure, but like uh, that, that'd be interesting to see. But uh, look, he says, "Look, he said it feels nostalgic in you, and you know what comes to mind? Dragon Guard. Oh, that's nostalgic <laughs> in you. Imagine yeah, ports of the free original games. The digital only bit, though, kind of confuses me. Why that 
it makes me think that it is like a mobile sort of thing because it's like it isn't always worth mentioning that it's digital only if it was going to come to consoles. Like maybe I'm overthinking it, but that bit has just tripped me up to make me think it's like mobile. It, it does seem like a weird thing to specify nowadays, where it seems like nowadays you could just announce a game and it, by happenstance it might end up being digital only, and you don't have yeah, to like exactly, you, yeah, don't exactly. ha- you, you don't have to call that out. It just sometimes is. Where here they decided it was important to specify up front, like before we know anything else about the game, which is actually yeah, that is kind of interesting that they I put a focus on it. People know it's a smaller scope game, probably. But I feel like eventually, within a few years, we're going to be out of the mindset that digital only means that it has to be smaller scoped as well. But Demon Score 2. No one remembers that game. It should be Demon uh, Score 2 then. You made that game up. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, why not? I mean, at, at this point, Taro has too much power, so uh, let him do what, I want, what he wants to do, I guess. <laughs> All right, a few other odds and ends here. We have another countdown website that ends on May 7th from Sega, counting down some sort of Judgment-related teaser. So obviously, Judgment just just now is getting the new console port uh, for their... Is port is right the word? The new console version for the PS5 and Xbox, which has a slightly different art style. We did actually do a... Did we did we do a review on that that wasn't called out in the podcast document? Cullen did. Cullen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he did, yeah. yeah. All right. So, yes, Cullen did write up uh, a nice feature about the next-gen or current-gen version of Judgment. So, uh, go ahead and read through that. Obviously, it runs at a higher resolution and frame rate. That's the main draw for playing this new version of that game, though it does take a little bit of a different turn in terms of the game's visual identity. It's a lot less like contrasty. It's a lot more flat lighting, kind of a lot more natural looking, which it's just kind of a different vibe for the game. I haven't played it, but I look at, I look at some screens of the PS4 versus the Xbox series X version. And I think the older one looks better, but then I look at some and I think the newer one looks more natural. So it's kind of definitely just going to be kind of like uh, a personal preference sort of thing. But alongside the release of this version of Judgment, we do have a teaser website showing that they might continue with this sort of like RGG Studio sub-series in some fashion, counting down to May 7th. So they call it like, Judgment Day. Yeah. Well, I, I think it I think everyone kind of just assumed that Judgment was going to continue after Yakuza 7 was a success. Cause it's like, well, people still like the action, like uh um what Yakuza did they turn to an games. RPG? <laughs> two two parallel RPGs. What did they turn into a turn-based RPG? I, I just feel like Sega does a lot of these. Maybe it's just as someone who's like kind of a Sonic fan. I'm not really, but like I keep an eye out for announcements. They always do. Like, hey, look at this Sonic thing. It's like it's a Sonic comic. So I kind of feel like I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I mean, a sequel makes the most sense, but it wouldn't surprise me. They just That'd go really like, George. George, I'm just going to let you know right now, that's entirely just a Sonic thing with Sega right now. Oh, okay, then. <laughs> Poor Sonic fans. It's interesting, though, that even the Japanese-focused uh, like Twitter account, for instance, is calling it Judgment Day, even though in there the game is called Judge Eyes. It's not Judge Eyes Day? What? Oh. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I just thought it was interesting. Like, is that I was thinking is like, is that an American branch focused like naming? Like, no, it's on the it's on the Japanese one as well. But I guess Can we these are global companies. Day? Yes, yeah, Judge Eyes Day, Day. Judge, May seven. That should be the podcast title. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna think about Judgment or Judge Eyes or Judgment Two, Judge Two Eyes. 
until two like eyes. <laughs> <laughs> two judge two eyes. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to play. What I was trying to get at before I lost track was. Uh, I want to play Yakuza's five and six first. Those are still on the back burner. I want to. I want to clear out that series, and then I'll. When, if I'm itching for more, I'll get into Judgment. So it's kind of like they're waiting for me when I'm ready for it. Man, that should be the sequel title to Judge Two Eyes. <laughs> Judgment Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only the only tangential thing that we have right now is Sega filed a trademark whatever time ago. Like the they, the trademark was for Lost Judgment, which is uh, eh. mm, mm. no, like I don't like it either. Oh uh, well, what like if this was a sequel to Judgment, what would you guys like to see in it, or what would you like to see less of? More judging, more lawyer. I Are haven't played it, so I don't know. No, I haven't played the original. I thought <laughs> I just, I just ordered the. Um, I just saw the original trailer. To be honest, <laughs> where he's a lawyer still, and he goes to become a cop. Oh my god! There's like no lawyering at all. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer part. Come on. He's like more lawyering. I'm like, what lawyering? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard uh, it needs fewer tailing missions. That's what there I heard. There we go. There, yeah. Then in the original, you had like these sections where like you had to go follow this guy or, th- or this girl and so for your investigation. And those segments really dragged on. So hopefully, if they at least if they're gonna have it, change it to be faster paced somehow because that. Um, what I want is uh, they need to keep like the same like sort of opening like like Japanese like drama show opening that the original had and Alexandros the music band performed for it. They should keep that and still have Alexandros do it. That was really good. That's like the only thing I really want. Other than that, it's like I know these characters are cool. I know it'll probably have a cool story, whatever it decides whatever it ends up being. Speaking of future announcement like presentations, I'll also throw in that we're having a Monster Hunter focused one a bit earlier on April 27th, focusing on the incoming Monster Hunter Stories 2, which releases in July, and then the first free title update in April for Monster Hunter Rise. So that'll also be another stream to look forward to. Uh, and not too long now, honestly. That's next week. So, man, how are we already this far the way through April? But yeah, so I guess before the next podcast, we'll learn about some of the details of the upcoming Monster Hunter projects. Yeah, you would hope by the by that time, by our next podcast, that this content is out because they're running out of days in July and or not July, uh, April. And by the time the next podcast is, it'll be the next month. <sighs> don't well, tell me that. I like how we're yeah, already back like at like reg- regular calendar speed now that we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from the 2020 carryover of garbage. But I don't know. <laughs> in a way, it feels nostalgic to have like not enough time <laughs> to play through all the games we want. So. But yeah, uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see like w- how many reasons they give James to get back to uh, Monster Hunter Rise and how much they uh, improve on the end game. So we'll learn about that title update in just a few well, days. Uh, well, uh, Alex Seedhouse and I have to do our our the twenty hour streams again. No life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I want to. <laughs> amazing. I, I want to go into work and see you guys playing it together on discord and then i want to come home and you're still like going together and you're like that's what it was <laughs> you just like lived you lived in the monster hunter room for yep, five days it. so yeah so someone like uh, locked us in throw away the key and then you're like all right that's the quickest uh alex seedhouse has ever finished a game it's because uh, <laughs> you're yeah, like because i dragged through it <laughs> 
All right. What else should I focus on here? I guess is it time to talk about Sakura right. Kakume? <laughs> All right. So I will, have, I, will, I will have to hand this over to Josh because I am not versed here, but we have a couple uh, mobages that are seeing end of life soon. Yeah. So this is this is like weird. So this is one of the most like it had a big marketing budget, but the the light works is Sakura Kakume Hanasaku Otometachi is ending service on June 30th. It barely came out last year, mid December. Um, I want to say like December 12th, maybe somewhere around there. But it's this is kind of very so big. Six months is what we're looking at. Yeah, so it didn't even reach its first year anniversary. The the end of service announcement didn't even like reach how like people are already jumping ship, obviously, from that game since the the end of service. Um it so this is what one of those projects that should have on paper done very well because one, this was the developer was Delightworks. They are the developers of Fate Grand Order, and that game makes a lot of money every single year. Um still one of the biggest mobile games out there. Two, this was based on the Sakura Wars IP, and Sakura Wars is a very big in Japan, or was very big in Japan. So it's one of those things where like there's these two juggernauts that came together, and on paper should have been very good and should have lasted quite a long time. But as more and more reports about it came to light, like uh there there was a big, big, big budget, not in terms of just marketing. But like just uh, on the game itself, like when they announced this game uh, last December, like unveiled it, um, there's like this big 30-minute OVA, anime OVA, uh, alongside it. And it was like, it was supposed to be like, you know, the the next big thing for Japan and mobile games, essentially. And just to see this come out like out of nowhere and be like, oh, they're already ending service. And... That's, you know, uh, for a lot of factors, uh, along with just a lot of budget being put into it and not enough profit coming out of it. Because I, I played this game for about maybe two, two and a half months. And like, there's certainly a, a bit of charm to it with its like cast of characters and story. But like, the gameplay itself wasn't all that engaging. The gotcha itself, like, you know, it's, it, it was very unforgiving. And like, it just it didn't feel engaging or fun. Like, you're kind of like just doing. Like well, chores and is, like, I could see fight. this thing gonna be a failure coming from miles away. If you played Fate Grand Order, you know that this whole game was carried by its brand. It wasn't carried by the Lightworks' awesome video game. It was just carried by their IP. Like people, if you ask any Fate fans, why do you play this? They're like, they say, I like the characters. I'm into the story, but they never said it's because of the Lightworks. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're totally right. But that should have been the same case for this. Where the Sakura Wars IP should have carried this, but uh, what, like, what, what a, like the, the unfortunate thing about this is it's such a deviation from what Sakura Wars fans wanted, because unlike the Sakura Wars games where you know you had like these these women going to mechs and like operate them like mechs, this Sakura Kakame was like a weird like next generation thing where the girls were. They didn't like operate mechs. They like turn into them. They have like a magical girl transformation, and like parts of the mech, like was bolted onto them. It's like, what the fuck is that? That's not the Sakura Wars I know. You look at the characters, it's like that's none of the Sakura Wars characters that I fell in love with. So, um, this you're like probably the biggest Sakura Wars fan I know, Josh. 
Um, does this kind of worry you about the series at all, or is it? Do you think it's just like a mobile thing, or do you kind of go I'm, like, Ooh. I don't know. Like, like the like, I, I feel I feel like I'm I'm so already. Um, I've already accepted that Soccer Wars isn't going to come back in the way that I want it to. I think I felt like that um, even with the recent Soccer Wars game last year. Where, like I liked it, but it's not really it wasn't what enough. I, yeah, it wasn't really enough. And then they had like a um, a TV anime series that was a sequel to that game, um, and like that wasn't really a great series. Like like I watched it and I watched it all the way through, but I was like, that's okay. But like it's interesting. They could take it in interesting directions, but I don't think that did really well either. So it feels it feels like the 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 path to soccer wars is should be obvious on paper, but I don't know if like people we live in an era where that would do be successful. Like I don't know if they re-releasing or remastering or remaking the first three games, for example, like in a collection or something. I don't know if that actually is would sell well. Like, like I, I don't I don't see it coming back because like. The series has been dormant since like 2005. Ever since they released the Sakura Wars 5, it's like it just became forgotten. Then yeah. it's like now you're trying to establish a new fan base with a new game. It's it's hard, you know? It's like you just came out of nowhere and you just expect to get all your old fans back. It doesn't work that way, right? Right. You need to you need to you need to to reintroduce that. You have to like establish like a solid base and put your best foot forward. If they wanted to do that in this age, you know. That this this wasn't really the way to do it. I can understand like their philosophy that oh we wanna we want we don't really want to have ties to the old ones because they're so far gone. Like then I don't know. It's 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 a it's, I I don't know. It's not to answer your question, George. It's not it's not less of a concern and more so. I've already been consigned to it. Like, resignation. Already, resignation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah we can i can say there's there's all kinds of things going on there's even like drama behind the scenes with the game because there's like um was it we were talking about tales earlier we got hideo baba working on it apparently but that's it's never officially confirmed but apparently there's a lot there's a lot of evidence to support that he might be but you know they're they're never gonna confirm that like hey yeah you're right he's he's working there it's like we can only trust like you know if the reports, the convincing reports are right about it. Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, the Hideo Baba was, if you remember, like, especially with Tales of Hysteria that we were talking about earlier, like he was the center for a lot of like the drama that happened behind Tales of Hysteria's marketing and how that was not conveyed well in the game where, yeah, uh, I think her name was Alicia uh, in Tales of Hysteria. Yeah, she was supposed to be the main heroine, and they said that, and later on he said he she wasn't, and that uh, it's like it's just the main character and and Rose and people trying to use all kinds of things trying to spread rumors and you don't know what's true or what's not. Some people, okay, think- so but, the, but the, that's the thing about it. Like in the marketing for Tales of Hysteria, they really set up alicia to be the main character from the what the marketing was saying like how they presented yeah, the even the figures that you would buy online of alicia it says she's the main heroine then later on they have to completely write that out after the fiasco or whatever yeah it's, it's, so it's kind of like misaligning like expectations like people were like you know when when people announce like a main heroine or a main char- uh, hero in the game and like, oh, there's gonna be the character that I'm gonna be spending the time the most in the game. I really like her. I really like him. 
uh they seem really cool like and just that and you trusted the marketing and what they told you about the game like usually that should be you know yeah, fine so, sorry yeah go 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 uh interject what, go, go what i was gonna say is, is that i think if there was like a narrative reason for it like for example a another well I guess it's still technically a spoiler. Even it's been out for four years, and honestly, Spike Chunsoft with their streaming guidelines things, fuck it. Yeah, f- yeah, fuck it, dude. Um, Don Rumpa V3 did something similar to that, and I think mm-hmm. the way it happened, it was handled in the game. Now, obviously, some people disagree, but I feel like it was really, really well done. And I mean, doing something like that, playing around with marketing, it can't. If there's like legitimate reason to do so, it can be a cool thing. But from what I understand, there wasn't really a good reason for the whole thing with Sisteria. Yeah. That's I, I feel it was done last minute. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of equipment you can find for Alicia, like her spears and all that stuff. It's like, why is why are they still in the game? You know, it's like, I feel like it was, she was just cut out last minute. Yeah, they're like the, even even the game itself, like the game system itself, it's like it 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 led you to expect one thing and you totally got another. It's like you're giving me equipment for a character that's barely with you what thirty minutes yeah. in total, and like and like and, and to to the point that remember, Hysteria uh, like got DLC after it's released to try to be some sort of apology to it's like oh here's a DLC focused on Alicia, you know, and you get to play with her a lot around some more. It's like this isn't what people wanted. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wanted that DLC, and the worst part of of it, there was a cliffhanger at the end, so they expected another sequel with it, but since it's bomb, yeah, nobody, right. nobody made any stories after that. Yeah, so it's it, it's a whole ordeal, and you know, it's looping back around to Sakura Kakame and people like you know a lot of people. It, it, Baba's history, like up to this point, still isn't great, right? Like the people have listed out. Okay, let's think about like Baba's like. Things before this. So besides the hysteria thing, uh, remember after Baba left uh, Bandai Namco, he went to go to Square Enix and yeah, establish Studio Stolia, and then they had like this big RPG project in the in development. They even released like a teaser trailer. It's like called Project Prelude Rune, and that never came out. They got like silently canceled, and uh, Studio Stolia. I think I think I think just recently they shut down Studio Stolia. Like it's still. Working as a as a subsidiary for Square Enix for a while, I think they finally pulled the cord on that. But it's like, and and Hideo Baba was like the center of that. So it's just like, what the hell's going on with this dude? What the fuck? What happened? I you know? just don't think he has it in management. I think it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Studio like, totally got shut down in 2019. But yeah, yeah. But like, but that that project was silently canceled like way before then. They they shut that studio yeah. down. So it's a, it's in it's weird. It's really weird and bizarre. So you know, I mean, life goes on. But this is this is a big like turning point for like how people perceive the light works, right? Like the like people, you know, as you as you said, Chow. Like when people think of Fate Go, they don't think of the light works as like oh, they're such a great developer. They they think about like the the Type Moon side of it, the stories that Type Moon makes for it. Yeah, it's so carried the, by their brand. I mean, if yeah. you tell me to play fake grand order, it's grindy as hell. Um, the monetization is one of the worst in any gotcha game. There's no pity. If you just have bad luck, you lost your entire life savings and you're dead. Right? There's no forgiving features in that game. I mean, there is pity in the game, but it's not the way you want it. To... Yeah, you basically have to like wail to like to like ten thousand dollars probably to get that used. It's, it's uh, 
yeah, it's it's disgusting. But you know, uh, that that that's just crazy. That like one of the this is probably one of the most marketed mobile games in recent memory, Sakura Kakume, and for it to just like they pulled the plug on it so fast because they saw just how fast it was draining money for a very minimal return. That's I, I just feel like Sega like forked out a lot of money, like commissioned them to make this because they feel like, oh yeah, if they get do this thing right, we're gonna get a ton of money from revive the Sakura Wars brand instantaneously. I feel like I, I I bad for Kohei Tanaka, the composer of the Sakura Wars series. He was working on this game. He's like, yeah, I'll keep on, you know, composing new new music for the game until it shuts down, you know? I mean, uh, so please enjoy it. Yeah. It's like Koei Tanaka, very talented dude. You know, yeah, he's one of the best composers in the Japanese music industries. Yeah. So I mean, like there was there was a lot of like neat things to Sakura Kakame, and some part of me still wishes, like you know what, I hope they at least make a console game for this cast of characters and this story. You know, there's still value in that, like in their concept to it. I just think that this was the the the, the stars misaligning, like. The, the, this shouldn't have happened uh, to be honest of like they should have if they wanted to re- like try new things in Sakura Wars they shouldn't have been a gotcha game I'll throw this in here while we're on this sort of topic we also learned that Star Ocean Anamnesis will be shutting down its Japanese client in June now it did have a global launch a few years ago but that one had already shut down it was basically relegated to being a Japanese only online game but that is also shutting down in a few months. The difference here is that for the Japanese client, they will have an offline mode available to players to access some of the characters they've uh, acquired in episodes one through yeah. three of their story. So, But it is shutting down as well. Yeah, that's shutting down June 24th, and the offline version is. You can, like I guess, see story episodes one through three, and like episodes in that game are like story arcs. So you can like, see arc one, arc two, arc three, like... They, they they take the story pretty seriously after the first episode because the first episode is like your typical bare bones gotcha story. Um, this one was really big uh, as well for Square Enix for a good chunk of time, like about four and a half years. Yeah, four and a half years. And uh, like a lot of people really liked it. Like the battle system was pretty fun, very fluid. The uh, the multiplayer was pretty fun to play, uh, and they had like a lot of crazy collaborations. You know, you had your like your near collaborations with it, you had uh, collaborations with Guilty Gear, you had collaborations with Soccer Wars. Like there, there was a lot of crazy collaborations for Star Ocean Anamnesis, and like the the the, the character models, the fidelity of them, were that was like pretty high quality for a mobile game. Like it was actually a really fun game to play. Like uh, both the Japanese and global version. I'm, it still stuck sucks that like the global version, like I don't know if it lasts more than a year, maybe just barely over a year if I remember. But like you know, now now this is coming to an end, and it's 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 nuts, you know. Like this is like the only thing Tri Ace has been doing for a while. Like they were developing it, and then I don't know. I mean, so as someone uh, who doesn't play these games, trying to compartmentalize it in my head, what what I see here is kind of like almost like the Destiny problem in a different way, where it's like you try to create these competitors, but there's just these like titans of Grand Blue Fantasy and Fake Grand Order that are just really difficult to survive alongside. That's kind of like the impression that I get, but I don't know if that's misinformed. I, I think the problem with these gotcha games is like once you're dedicated to one game, you need to spend a lot of time in that one game, and it's hard to divide your time to multiple games. 
So you have players who are already invested hundreds or thousands of hours and money into a game that's, you know, Freight Grand Order is not going to be shutting down anytime soon. And like, I don't have time or bandwidth to occupy my time with Sakura Wars' attempt at the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You guys pretty much know that, like, as, you know, the amount of mobile games people are trying and like trying to put into the market is only increasing. So obviously, as more mobile games get into the market, there will be less. Like if especially if a, a, a successful one enters the market, like Uma Musume did a few months back, like more people are going to be focused on that. People are going to spend more of their resources, their money into that, which means there will be less money going to other other mobile games or gacha games because like, hey, I like this thing now. I don't. I'm. I'm not really. This thing is kind of old to me. This thing is kind of like ah, you know, I like the new thing that's coming out, and that's kind of the big problem, right? I think that's kind of yeah, oddly enough. I think the release. And the massive success of Uma Musume like played a factor into like these other bigger gacha games getting shut down, Sakura Kakume and Star Ocean and whatnot, because that that has been like a big, 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 big driving force right now in Japan of like just generating revenue and interest and like all eyes are focused on Uma Musume in that market. Like if you recall, uh, especially for Chao, like Grand Blue, uh, Grand Blue's first year was not good at all yeah, it wasn't good but during that time there wasn't much competition exactly and uh, fake go was in a similar space where the first like year of that game not good at all either uh but with at that time when they released like you know there was less competition but the so that allowed them more leeway to like really hunker down and try to rework better improve for what they had these days if you if you are a mobile game and you have a gacha system in it and you don't display like any sort of promise very fast, you're gonna sink like Sakura Kakame. Uh, it's, it's that, that's the industry now. You need to have a very, very, very good launch like Uma Musume does and have like eyes and attention on you in a big way. Because if you're if you just get drowned out by the competition, you're not gonna make it. So what like if if you're in this space, are there are there gotcha games that are announced that you're equally anticipating? Or like what is what is the current like zeitgeist for lack of a better word for, for this space? I mean the, the Umi Musume is, Musume is like the one that, that pretty like, much is it. Like but most people are are probably looking forward to hoping for a global release. I mean there's a subsection of it where like there's that near mobile game. That's yet oh, right. to be localized near reincarnation, but like even like the early reports of that is like there's not a lot of content in it. Like a, a lot, of, like a lot of people who play it right now are like it's okay, but there's not really much to it right now. Like it's very unimpressive, which is a bummer to hear. But that's that's also another like worrisome project. Like how where's it gonna go down the line? Will it live that long down the line? You know, because if, if it doesn't turn around fast, how how long is Square Enix willing to give? The staff of near reincarnation to turn things around uh, on top of like still waiting for a global release to add on to the to, to the revenue of that who knows oh, yeah that one i remember now talking about it clear the cobwebs a bit that that, that had at least 10 million downloads i remember talking yeah. about it now so. 10 million downloads is 
great, but if you're not raking it, if you're not, if you're not, if no one's spending money in it, yeah, it's it's free to download. You know, you're not making money <laughs> per download on that. I think I think the next one feasibly to like shut down is that uh, Blaze Blue Dark War. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, like pe- people have been looking like at the financials for that, and they're like, oh, this is not doing well at all. I think uh, that's the fans never wanted a gotcha game. They just wanted a exactly. sequel they to wanted, a fighting game. They, they right? wanted a full fighting fucking fighting mobile game. Yeah. Or not a fighting game. Uh, a fighting game, not a mobile game. It's yeah. like so that's probably the next one to sing, to be honest. But you know, that's just the the reality of things right now. Oh yeah, uh, that reminds me the the Super Robot Wars cross cross Omega is shutting down too, like uh in a few months as well. And that was that's been a somewhat long-running one, maybe as long as Star Ocean Anamnesis, I think. And, you know, that was a really, really big one for uh, Japan for quite a while because it had, like, crazy coll- collaborations with, like, giant robot shows coming into SRW. So, you know, it's just... It's it's crazy to see that, like, uh, these these games that, like, on paper should have kept on going or should have been continuing to be successful just getting shut down. It's like, oh, well, all right. And who knows? I mean, there, there's also the contributing factor that's uh, when we're taking the Japanese audience into account is the Switch. The Switch is very popular in Japan, and it's a you know a mobile device that like you can take around and play like games that have no no microtransactions with them. You know, you pay for the game once, you get the you get the game. You don't have to worry about like, oh, will I have enough gems to go roll this SSR character? You know, until so until Genshin Impact releases on Switch the, eventually, yeah, <laughs> the real yeah. game changer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's also yeah. You're right. I totally forgot Genshin for some reason, but oh yeah, but we got Brian his PS5. He can get Genshin on his PS5. Yes, I, I think the combination of Uma Musume and Genshin Impact actually, a lot of mobile games saw the writing and it's like, oh, can we can we do this? It's like I don't know against against these these new games so yeah you, you're you're probably right that it's genshin probably had an impact on this too well that's yeah, one I, of those I, now new titans that i mentioned maybe in the space that you have to try yeah. to peel people away it's from like developers order. need to know it's like mobile is just not cheap cash grab anymore you need to spend a little bit of effort if you want to profit in this not even a little bit you need to spend a lot of effort to, to, to make uh, it i'm just saying right in general like they just like most of them has been the bare minimum effort and they're like oh my game bomb i wonder why it's like because there's already a big market out there it's like people already established the market yeah yeah i mean speaking of super robot wars sorry (laughs) i was gonna say something that is definitely a hot take listening to you guys talking about the mobile game market it feels like mobile games are the cryptocurrency of of video games (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i need a shower oh <laughs> uh, well you are you aren't you aren't wrong you aren't wrong i, I wonder what trius is doing now though like well, since star ocean's the uh, closing down what, what's trius what, what do they have Maybe another new Star Ocean game. They can announce Star Ocean Seven or something. Well, they, uh, look, I would love a new Star Ocean game, but they need to really step it up from the last Star Ocean console game, man. Well, I would, I would take a remake of two since they did the one of one. That's the most two. logical thing to do next. To be, yeah. to be honest, I don't even know who okay. who edited up that remake. Anyways. That's a little, a little bit of a tangent, but uh, you mentioned Super Robot Wars earlier, and you also have listed here 
that there is an event related to that franchise or IP uh-huh. coming up soon as well. Yeah. Uh, are we expecting it's... a new game announcement here? or What are they oh, showing oh, on uh, July 11th? So on July 11th, they're going to have an online digital event uh, called Super Robot Wars Hagane no Cho Kanshasai. And, uh, you know, that's uh, to celebrate the series' 30th anniversary, 30 years of Super Robot Wars. Goddamn. Wow. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are crossing their fingers and toes to, like, please not only announce a new game, but a, for the true Super Robot Wars fans, they're hoping to announce a, a new original generation game and this is like the the sub-series of super robot wars that doesn't have any licensed uh robots they don't there's no gundam there's no evangelion there's no mazinger or any of those licenses because the original generation games are like uh their own uh, thing yeah they're, they're their own thing that's like new characters or actually like original generation is not even like new characters they're like original characters from their previous games essentially so like uh super robot wars w the original characters there they might show up in this original yeah, generation. You wouldn't have to deal with licensed characters because some of the Super Robot Wars you would play, you would get like Amuro from the Gundam series and you would be like a mentor character to some of them. Now you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and the original generation games are really fascinating because they have like a pretty compelling narrative where like there's factions always always in conflict with each other. And, they're, and since they don't have to worry about licensing, like the general... Um, like production on them, the, the development budget on them is generally higher on that. So like so the flagship like, titles. Exactly. Uh, like they have, they're just gorgeous, like beautiful. Like I think the, the second Super Robot Wars original generation for PS3 is still like one of like the best like sprite showcases in, in video games. And I still hold to that. Like I love it. And it's it's so over the top and it's so... Like there's like all sorts of homages and nods to like giant robot game uh, series all around them too. Like uh, like one of my favorite characters in that original generation series is like you you literally have like this uh, uh Bancho this uh, tough guy uh, piloting this mech that like carries after him like it takes off like his jacket and like it puts it over his uh, shoulder and then like he does like he does like all these like repeated kicks kind of like you know what you see in like J- Japanese media it's really funny it's really it's really over the top really hot yeah. especially uh Dizangar <laughs> the exaggerated oh, yeah. sword cuts yeah like one one of the characters is like this honorable like uh knight and uh his whole shtick with his super robot is uh he has this like katana that like he 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 raises up above his head and then like it transforms into like a, a literally like a like a buster sword that reaches the heavens. So it's like this just gigantic buster sword uh for one of his attacks. And it's like it's insane. And it's like, all right, sure. This is, a, this is dumb fun. And that, that's what a lot of people who like the original generation uh come for. And there's a there's usually um during the anniversaries of Super Robot Wars, there's usually an original generation project. That they announce for them, so I think that's the big hope with this upcoming one. That like, hey, please show us the next one. And I'm I'm really really excited for this one if it is an original original generation because it would cover the Alpha Three story. I think. Oh uh, God, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, I think I think it'll, it would cover Alpha Three, and that and and the main character for that one has a Cobra. Is it? Is yeah, it Cobra? Cobra. Yeah, that's Cobra. So that the the. the the super robot that he uh, pilots 
and the, and that is uh was designed by Kazuma Kaneko of uh, Shin Megami Tensei fame. So it's I'm excited. I'm excited. Please be a new game. Please be a new new announcement. I'm I'm more than ready. I love and and they they uh they localized not not localized in the U.S. but uh they got an English release for the last one, the Moon Dwellers, the original generation game. So hopefully, if there's an original generation game, and since they don't have to worry about licensing costs, they're like this gets an English release as well. And well, hopefully. you could always look for the Game Boy Advance of original generation. You want a localized copy, but that's not the best way to experience the series, though. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm July is a ways off, but uh, we'll make it. We'll make it. Wrapping up towards the end of this podcast, we have a trio of three quick things here. Uh, there's really no common thread between them. Cyberpunk 2077 has sold 13.7 million copies in 2020 alone. Last week, they had their big like financial call, their fiscal year 2020 briefing. Obviously, the big focus of that was on Cyberpunk. Told us how many uh, units it sold, how much money it made. They did obviously talk about high ambitions paired with pandemic conditions resulted in things happening in ways that weren't planned. Uh, so it's still not on the PlayStation Store as far as I know. But apparently, despite the negative launch and a lot of drama surrounding it, it still did well financially. Obviously, we did have the recent patch 1.2 come out and the next gen versions planned for the second half of this year. But not any like this didn't provide any more details about what's planned other than they're going to continue working on it and the next gen versions are coming. Uh, There's a few other little things they talked about. Uh, The Witcher 3 still has strong sales. They have that monster mobile game coming out monster hunter i think it's not called monster hunter monster, What's it called? Slayer, monster slayer i'm sorry yes uh <laughs> so but yeah so it seems like 2021 is kind of be kind of kind of like a band-aid year for cd project where they're going to be focusing obviously they also have gog they also have gwent um and i i'm just waiting for like i like cyberpunk seeing through the cracks and like what it was intended <laughs> rather than what it was I'm just kind of like, I I played through it. I don't know if like something will happen to really get me excited about it again to reinstall it for any reason. Obviously, it's a single player game, so it's not like I have any reason to go back to it. But I don't know if just like traditional DLC schedule is going to have me like excited for it in any way. Like here's an additional story chapter about so and so like eh, whatever. I do hope they fix the game up, but uh I'm not really that excited about cyberpunk just even as an idea anymore. Just kind of like, it it was, it was all right. I guess I'm, I'm I'm ready to move on. I've been ready to move on, but it's still well. well. It still sold. Well, we got a couple new gameplay trailers for a couple games that I'm a little bit more excited about. Uh, Scarlet Nexus got a couple new gameplay, uh, snippets. It's basically some compilations of footage for a couple different environments. So uh, nothing really exciting here. Just kind of like vanilla gameplay trailers. One takes place in a hospital. One takes place in a museum. The game releases in June. Uh, it's it's looking really polished. Like when I when I see this and I kind of see like that Code Vein, God Eater sort of art style. I haven't played any of those games because when I watched the footage of those games, I kind of knew off the bat like this doesn't look good. It doesn't look clean. This is not for me. But I look at this stuff and it actually looks like flash and flashy and fluid and fun. It just I'm more interested just based on the footage shown for Scarlet Nexus than I was for those other projects. So 
Yeah, same here. I I I think that this game has a lot of potential, and I really hope it really realizes it. Uh, it looks just it looks fluid enough, and I hope it's there's like a lot of fun in like just throwing things at enemies. Also, the uh, the director behind it. Kenji Anabuki seems like a really driven and passionate guy I, I, to see him like try to like really market the game as like his little pet project that he's like really been putting a lot of his heart and soul into. It's endearing. So I kind of like, I want to, I want to, I want to give it a fair shake for him. <laughs> Root for the underdog. Yeah, kind of. And then the other game we got some footage of is another game I really like and looking forward to genuinely is a uh, bio mutant. So last month, they showed off a big combat trailer and revealed uh, earlier this year that it was going to release in May. So that's only a month away. It's a month from tomorrow. Uh, this week, they released a very small trailer. It's barely two minutes of just like environmental shots and panning and some like uh, movement based, like the different ways you can traverse across the world on foot or on horseback or in like a mechs or an airship. It's just like a really serene environmental. Tra- they call it a world trailer. And it's just it's just really nice. I'm like, man, I want to play that game. I want to be there. It's just I don't know. I don't know if George feels the same way. I know he's also kind of been pretty excited on this one. Yeah, I'm glad they did like a non-combat trailer because I feel like that's all we saw for a while was like the kung fu gun stuff, and that looks fun. But it looks the whole game looks janky. But like, I kind of already love it for it. Um, and this trailer just like it makes it seem like a really big game. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting because it has been in development a while and it's always been advertised as a big RPG. But yeah, I'm I'm totally here for it. I'm same as you, Brian. Yeah, it's obviously this is like a, I know some people hate this term, but to me, this is like a double A game at heart. It's got a small number of developers. I think it's like 60. I don't remember. Uh, but it's I just hope that like this tra- trailers like this don't people don't think of it as this like giant Ubisoft esque thing. So I assume that it's going to have like some constraints whether it's in scope or how many ideas they they look at or uh, uh, like the variety of gameplay. I don't know. I don't I don't like want to go into the game with that sort of thing in mind though. I just know that I I looked at this environmental world trailer and it just looks really nice and really colorful. It's like a post apocalyptic open world, but it's got a lot of color to it. It's got a lot of like design like it, it looks unique. It doesn't look like it's derivative of something else, something better than it. So Yeah, coming both Scarlet both Scarlet Nexus and Biomutant like both of them have a ton of potential and uh, both of them are like brand new games not tied to any IP or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that itself is like inherently interesting where it's not like what what do I need to know going in? Do I have to pull up some YouTube analysis trailer of a previous yeah, game? Yeah, everything. <laughs> oh god. <damn. laughs> I, I'm always a little bit, even maybe not, de- maybe not deliberately so, but like if it's a new IP, a new project, just creativity at its purest, I'm always like willing to give it like a few extra, like a little bit extra longer leash. Like, all right, this one I'm really interested to see, like what what you have for me here. Just hopefully those end up being kind of like two like underdogs underneath like those of Arise and Final Fantasy VII Integrate or whatever, but these end up being contenders in their own right. So. I'm looking forward to them. And that's the last thing I had listed. So not a lot of common themes about the announcements this week or the news this week. Obviously, we spent a ton of time on Nier and a good amount of time on all the big blowout marketing for Tales of Arise. So those are kind of the two headliners, followed by just kind of like rounding it out from all sorts of different projects, big and small, some things shutting down, some things to look forward to, kind of a variety of a high variety to this week. So with that, 
I will start doing the normal sign-off routine. Obviously, we're on this podcast every week. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and also on YouTube. Also on the YouTube channel, we did put up about an hour of gameplay footage from Saga Frontier underneath our casual mode series. So go ahead, go ahead and check that out. You can always visit the website itself, rpgsite.net, to read the free features that we talked about, the Saga review, the Near review, Disco Elysium review, and then also the, uh, the feature that Cullen put out for the new Judgment version. And you can click the link at the top of the page there to go to our Discord channel to talk about Near or Monster Hunter or whatever you want. And you can follow us on Twitter at RPG site to get all the birthdays, all the anniversaries, and all the news links as well. But until next time, stay safe, take care, and we'll see you then. Play Nier.